You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 262 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I am Carl Stellings, and joining me in the PTUK studios this week, as always, is my co-host, Matt Smith. Uh, well, hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, it's It's been a weird day, mate, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's been a really weird day. No Sierra Hotel India Tango, <laughs> Sherlock. Oh, yeah. okay, very good. Well yeah, done. Yeah, do you like yeah. that? <laughs> no need for bleeping there. No, no, no. How no, are you, Matt? No complicated editing. Uh, yes, I've had, uh, I'm not going to lie, I've had a supremely awesome day have you know uh, yeah yeah oh. i couldn't possibly uh, mention why uh, first thing i will just say actually is there's is. no nev this week no uh, no nev apologies nev's taking uh, a well-earned rest he's had a, yeah. a sort of rough couple of weeks really bless him so uh, yeah he's just having a, he'd, some he'd time sorting out leave. sorting out on sorting out other yeah. projects shall we say yeah so, yeah, so, so all the best to nev if yeah. you're watching uh, hope you're well and uh, give auntie uh, of course auntie's. he's watching he's making sure we don't screw up <laughs> give uh, <laughs> give auntie sue a big hug for yeah. us as well indeed but yeah. uh, yes uh, no yeah it's been quite interesting Let, let's just uh, introduce our other guests before we go into what we've been up to joining we? us as well yeah. is uh, another awesome co-host of the show and uh, he's obviously back stateside love and life as always it's armando hey everybody uh, it's great actually to do a show on a Saturday afternoon. It's beautiful here in North Carolina, which is kind of ironic because I feel like we're going to have a little switcheroo here in about 30 seconds where two of us have uh, swapped places. <laughs> Really? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> now, have, have you uh, been flying at all, Armando? I have, yeah. So I finally got checked out in uh, the local airports, uh, Cessna 172, <gasps> and then the Piper Aero too. So flew yesterday morning, and you flew this morning. Uh, and this is sort of my first time flying in this area, and it is beautiful. Um, it, I mean, you can see that as soon as you take off, you can see the the Blue Ridge Mountains or the Appalachians, and uh, it, it was just a great great flight both days. Uh, awesome people back to small town general aviation which is where my heart lies and uh yeah can't wait to fly just a whole bunch more here uh, uh, what's it like flying at 172 uh armando because obviously i, <laughs> I i've done I've, I've logged a few hours in the 172 <laughs> but um yeah, yeah. I, I told the instructor as i was getting my checkout it's actually been about three years since i've flown at 172 and uh hey it's like riding a bike that plane is is, uh, Bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> was was it a vintage one you were flying, Armando? Sort of seventies no, vintage. Actually, well, I'm sure. I'm sure the aircraft was a seventies model, but the panel has been updated. Oh, okay. So yeah. Nice, yeah. Garmin five thirty uh, Wasp GPS in it. Full wow. uh, GPS instrument approaches. Same thing. This uh, place that I'm flying out of has four aircraft, and they're all kitted out with full ADS-B in and out and uh, GPS approach capable. Um, aircraft so wow i look forward to that yeah, next year <laughs> yeah yeah Excellent. i can't wait well i can't believe i'm about to say this <laughs> but we do have a guest joining us in the studio for this show yeah. and uh it's safe to say that uh, some of you might know who the guest is um, would it be some well not everyone <laughs> will know <laughs> and uh it gives me great pleasure to welcome into the ptuk studios the one the only dr steph 
Hey, Carlos. It is so great to be here. <laughs> this is really I'm weird. Not. I'm sorry. This uh, is so weird. <laughs> I don't. It doesn't seem that weird to me. I don't no. know. I mean, I'm here. You're here, and uh, we're going to do a show. So we, yes, no, I'll very, give it very exciting. <laughs> I am. I can't believe you're sat in our little. I just little, can't. Bl- yeah, I need yeah. to say that again. Did the intro again? Yeah, go on, then off again. <laughs> it's yeah. Dr. Stan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, oddly, oddly enough, I, I left North Carolina yesterday which is where Armando is, <laughs> Yes, basically right down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was here previously on yeah, you know, multiple shows. Yeah, I don't think you're one. staying for two and a half years, though. I, no, that's no. not the plan. If I do, something has gone horribly wrong. And yeah, uh, <laughs> now, actually, this is kind of a little whirlwind trip. I'll be back home tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. It's, uh, as I say, it's all that flying is uh, a small, basically, uh, you know, a small part of uh, hell as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, so we've had a really nice, uh, yeah, so, so I've had a really supremely nice day. So we, we went to, so myself, Lee and Lisa, who are Lisa and Lee, who I'm sure you know are friends of mine, we went to uh, Duxford to meet uh, Dr. Steph, who, mm-hmm. uh, who had uh, driven from uh, Heathrow to there to, to, to meet up. Uh, and we were all also joined by the legend that is Adam Spink. We've had an amazing day with Adam wandering around. I'll tell you what, the one thing I've, 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 I've been to Duxford so many times, but to take um, Adam with you, it was literally like taking a walking encyclopedia. Yeah, it's having you. your own personal so tour guide. So if there was, was anything, great. you so you could look at an aircraft, you could talk about, and, and the man knew everything you needed to know about that uh about the aircraft that we're looking at, like Concorde, we had a great chat over Concorde uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's it's really been um, an amazing time. It really has. We've had a great day, actually, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, it's been wonderful on many counts. So, obviously, you know, having Adam come over and your friends and yeah. seeing you, obviously, Aww, uh, you're uh, one, again. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but gosh, the weather was great too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you could bring that with you. <laughs> I'd like to say I had some. Yes. I was responsible for that in some small part because it's gorgeous in North Carolina right yeah. now too. So I think I just, it, you know, just brought lucky. a little bit of that sunshine. Yeah. Have you seen the forecast for tomorrow, Matt? When Steph flies home? Uh, no, I haven't. No, yeah, it's, sorry. Um, it's Sierra Hotel in Diatang. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. going downhill rapidly. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you I'm had sorry. fun. Duxford's awesome. Yeah. We yeah. all love uh, love that place. Yeah. yeah. First time I'd been there. It was it was wonderful. Yeah, they didn't let us down. It has to be said. I mean, we had slightly unusual. Uh, catering experience twice uh, yeah they, there could be some improvements on that yeah absolutely not, uh, not so much it, the food the, the food was wonderful yes no the food was lovely I, I, I more do, to do I, with the ordering experience yeah i don't um, think order i don't think training on a saturday is the way forward yeah. <laughs> well you didn't get someone go oh I, my what do you want governor oh god no no oh, no okay. i wish I, I would have taken that um it was uh, basically one lady ended up doing all of it herself because uh, anyway we, we, we won't go into to details but the, the food that we were served and the beverages that we were served were excellent so indeed uh, you know, awesome. just a bit of training yes so date and time check then the 30th of march it is today and uh it's just coming up to quarter past five in the evening here in the uk and don't forget the clocks go forward mm-hmm. this evening sorry i, think, I should just say uh, lee saying he's very excited also because he's finally met uh, he finally met an american who likes football oh, uh, yes. <laughs> we had a nice chat yeah, over because he was we were actually saying we we're so disappointed when he met armando not because of meeting armando but because neither him or his or his replacement at the th- had any interest in american football whatsoever <laughs> it was just like oh right yeah that's the one with the oval ball isn't it yeah <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, moving on from yeah. football, because football's about as interesting oh, as dust. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Big Honestly. welcome to everyone who's joined us in the chat room for this evening's show. All the family members in there. We've got, uh, we've got James Candraw joining us as well this uh, week. We uh, said hello to him a few weeks back on the show. Dave Abbey, Graham Haley, uh, Neil Lamwarn is in the chat room as well. We've obviously got uh, Neville Barnes is keeping an eye on us, making sure we do a good job this week. Uh, Pilot Pip is also in the chat room. Captain Al is in the chat room. Oop, look out. Uh, Chris Griggs Hello. is in the chat room. Neil Landwarn, if I'm missing you one out, here we go. And uh, yeah, nice to see David Abbey in the chat room this yeah, week. So hello to you, while, David yeah. Abbey. Yeah, and uh, hope you're all well this season. I evening. suspect Dave Abbey is in the chat room because of our guest. I'm not going to yes. lie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of people who wouldn't normally. God, can you imagine oh, if we yeah. had advertised this a few weeks ago, man? Yeah, we'd have had like absolutely. 400 million yeah, in the chat absolutely. room. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, somebody do a post in the BFF chat quickly. YouTube yeah. would have <laughs> broken down. Yeah, what? Literally. Well, with the esteemed guests on, YouTube would have sort of collapsed. Oh, YouTube. With I thought you said U2 would have no, had YouTube. A, like, what, what's the rock band U2 got to do anything with the... To, to, no? Okay. That, uh, cotton buds are for sale from every chemist for clearing your ears out. Uh, <laughs> Matt will be down there after the show. How very rude. So we've got uh, loads of news to get through. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Hold on. I'll go on on Monday. Since we're getting all the Dr. Steph references out of the way, I just got to gotta admit that the PTUK studio looks a lot roomier with Steph sitting in that seat. Than <laughs> oh, how rude! Oh, oh. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, it's very spacious in here. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what we're yeah. about. Yeah, we're not touching elbows or anything. No, we could really. fit twenty Doctor Steph sitting here. Yeah, 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 you absolutely. could practically have yeah. another one of me. In fact, if you and I left Carlos uh, <laughs> and, and we had, a, you know, you could probably get five Doctor Stephs in here without us being in here. Oh, <laughs> oh hello to Myla. She's joined us. Oh, uh, a quick hey, hello Myla. from Myla. Uh, she's on uh, on the train to Amsterdam. Yeah, and um, Myla will hopefully be sat in in Doctor Steph's seat in two weeks' time. By the wow. way, so yeah, wow, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We are packing the studio with esteemed aviation guests at the moment. It's all good. I know. Yes, we need to pill for some more APG hosts. Hey, now stop it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we, we don't want to upset Jeff now, do we? No, no, no. no. We'll absolutely. get Jeff in. Yeah, we'll get okay. Jeff in. Right, yeah. You just want to give him another ride out in the TriStar van. Well, that's, that's all you true. want to do. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we do some? Um, so, yeah, so we have got yeah. uh, loads of news to get through this week. Uh, we've also got our usual military segment from Armando this week again with all I've the heard top of stories. Yeah. Uh, we've got those segments to play out this week, so uh, we're going to have a chat with Steph at the end of the show about uh, what she's been doing. Flying. <laughs> Flying, basically. Not me personally, just taking trips. So we are going to start the show then as we do each week. Well, I run down of the weekly news from around the world and the UK, so if you're ready, Matt. I am. If you're ready, Armando. Let's go. And if you're ready, Steph. I am ready. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story. This one's on theeconomist.com. And you know what, Matt? I'm getting tired of reading stories about airlines. Uh, oh yes, to, yeah, I know what you're grief. talking about now. Yeah. I think it's like every week we run a story now with an airline that's it's either um, in, trouble in trouble or other. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, those who might have heard this in the uh, news this week, Icelandic budget carrier Wow Air stops flying. Um, as always is the case when an airline goes bust, the collapse of Wow Air, an Icelandic low-cost carrier, has left a trail of financial destruction at home and abroad. More than a 1,000 airline employees have lost their jobs. Tens of thousands of customers will face a battle to recover money spent on unused tickets, and those in the middle of their trips are stranded. With a population of less than 350,000 people, Iceland's economy is neither large enough nor diverse enough to shrug off failure. Last year, the government warned that WoW's collapse could shrink GDP and send the krona, the local currency, plummeting. Skuli Mugensen, WoW's founder <laughs> and sole shareholder, had in recent months seemed like uh, their industry, airline industry's answer, Theresa May, Britain's Prime Minister, who is desperately trying to get her Brexit deal. Yeah, good luck with that, dear. Uh, Mr. Mogelson steered the loss-making company through crisis after crisis, trying to negotiate a bailout, first with Iceland Air, the flag carrier, then Indigo Partners, an American privately equity firm. Then Iceland Air again, and his last roll of the dice was an attempt to con uh, convince bondholders to convert their debt into shares, but none of the partnership talks bore fruit, and the airline ran out of a runway when the aircraft leases or uh, lessors pulled out their support. It's a shame. It's a real shame because I remember. Mm. I can remember. I can still remember us running the story about Wow Air launching, yeah. years ago, mm, yeah. launching Wow Air, and um, obviously because the, they do transatlantic flights as well over to the US. They did, yeah, um, really cheaply as well. Yeah, um, and I, I do wonder if this is maybe some of the some of the issue as well because nobody seems there must be a reason why say I, I use Ryanair as example obviously because that will be the next story no doubt if i if i know carlos but uh it, it's one of those there must be a reason why people like ryanair who are very good at the low cost model are not running transatlantic flights you know so you can't help but feel maybe that's that's part of the thing may 2012 no well yeah it wasn't started. that wasn't that long ago was it yeah. It's um, it, it's very sad. I mean, again, you know, you've got all these job losses. Uh, you know, uh, the inconvenience to the passengers. Obviously, people have got trips of a lifetime booked, no doubt. Yep. But they're now not going to get their money back from unless perhaps unless they were lucky enough to through his credit card, or yep. you've got insurance, or or whatever. It, it is it is pretty awful. Uh, I mean, you know, what are your thoughts, Armando? Yeah, I was talking to my lovely bride about this because she flew so we we bought a ticket for her on wow from paris to reykjavik and reykjavik to um i think it was new york city last october and we were talking about the difference so they're they considered themselves a low-cost carrier but flying an a330 on wow she could not tell the difference between that and a legacy carrier it's just you know it's it's three or four same classes service. of service mm -hmm. yeah so, and I think it was uh, Airplane Geeks 379, I think we figured out, that had the CEO. Yeah, they did an interview with him. It. Yeah. And, it, and it, you know, it was just one of those things where I think they knew they were growing a little bit too, too fast getting into that yeah. uh, transatlantic um, market. Okay, and, yeah. Yeah. So... It's a shame. It's not not just that. It's the pilots and the staff, the crew. It is, absolutely. And yeah. everyone involved. You know, it's a shame. Yeah. It's a I mean, I, I, I suppose you know the the pilot side of things there is a big shortage of pilots mm. so i'm sure that these pilots i know they obviously there's great uncertainty for them at the moment but of course these guys i'm sure will have 
um, you know, they'll be flying again in no time, I have no doubt. I mean, obviously, you know, I use Stuart's uh, scenario with uh, BMI Regional when yeah. when that happened. And, you know, within a few days... Uh, he Less was, than a week. It, yeah, he was, uh, I'm delighted to say, obviously finding, yeah. you know, he was sort of not quite picking and choosing which one he wanted to do, but he had options within a few yeah. days. And, and that is... Uh, you know so from that point of view and i'm sure you know i just hope like obviously cabin crew and stuff you know it's it's the people that work but it, it's just so sad when something like this happens isn't it let's have some good news stories next week shall we about airlines right kind of. okay and i suppose you see this in the u.s do you guys with airlines failing um, quite as often as we do not as often yeah. there's a lot more where there's mergers or buyouts and things like that mm. happening i'm trying to think of the last time uh, maybe armando can help me out here too where there was an airline that actually failed no, uh, I think uh, I think it was after nine eleven yeah. where a bunch of air, it's, airlines. It's been a long time. Up, yeah, but I can't really think of, of very many. I'm trying to remember what happened with like ATA, but I think they just got oh, yeah. absorbed I'm by. I forget. I think uh, they were doing court code share stuff with Southwest for a while or something mm. like that. Yeah, um, like those like Sun Country, ATA, Value Jet. They all just got yeah, absorbed by or other, turned into mm. something else. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's um yeah it's just very sad, isn't it? So moving on to the next story, as Matt yes. said, is his favourite story yes. of all. <laughs> Indeed. But this, uh, this kind of this combines kind of a, a two story stories for you really, with you and yeah. Nev. So, so yeah. uh, as many people will know, uh, obviously there, there may have been a small incident involving British Airways. Uh, well, not <laughs> directly, although it was, a, I think, a route that somebody else was covering for them, wasn't it? Where a plane should have gone to Dusseldorf and... Uh, accidentally ended up in Edinburgh, as you do. Uh, now, one of the things that's so very amusing about this story is I don't know quite why uh, the people at Ryanair decided uh, to do this, but we'll read the story and you'll see. So Ryanair trolling of British Airways make mistake backfires rather spectacularly. So a Ryanair attempt to make fun of British Airways on Twitter after a flight mistakenly went to Edinburgh instead of Dusseldorf has backfired. Ryanair's official Twitter account said it had a present for being and it was a copy of Geography for Dummies. Uh, but Twitter users uh, made a number of suggestions of books Ryanair could read, including Customer Service for Dummies. In January, Ryanair was again named the UK's least liked short-haul airline. On Monday, a British Airways flight that was supposed to go to Germany ended up in Scotland after the wrong flight plan was used. Ryanair trolled BA in a tweet that afternoon with suggested reading material. BA replied to the tweet saying no one is perfect but Twitter, but Twitter users quickly came back with the book suggestions lampooning the low cost airline including employment law for dummies in 2018 <laughs> Ryanair was forced to cancel hundreds of flights after strike action by pilots and staff who were complaining about the conditions the strikes caused disruption for tens of thousands of passengers in December 2018 the Civil Aviation Authority began legal action against Ryanair after it refused to pay compensation to passengers over the cancelled and delay flights. Uh, another commentator, Richard Spraven, uh, referenced a story that first appeared in The Independent on the 6th of January about Ryanair flight bound for Thessaloniki in Greece. The flight was diverted more than 500 miles away to, to somewhere in northwest Romania. Uh, passengers were then offered transport on an old bus to complete the journey, which many refused the Independent. Resort. So, I mean, basically, the long and the story, short story of this is... Um, <laughs> 
I mean, I, I get why they sort of use this as an opportunity because we all know Ryanair will use any form of publicity to sort of get themselves out there. But uh, a small part of me is proud of the uh, Twitter community for, um, um, you know, taking it to their full, you know, full, um, full. Sorry, I've run out of words. Somebody full, full, no, full plate of food. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. OK. Ooh. What's for dinner tonight, Armando? Pizza, leftover pizza. Yay! Now, well, I, I heard about healthy food yeah, last week, say, I is, think. Is, is, is the wife away? It's... No, she actually brought it in. We went to this pizza place last night. We're, I'm oh. completely diverting from Ryanair here. Yeah, I know. We went to I know. a local pizza place last night, and it, we're not used to the serving, the portion sizes. So oh, okay, we, right. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely no, an issue. That's, that's fair enough, yes. Uh, yeah. No, it's all right. It's fine diverting. I mean, essentially, the details of the story are there. It's just like... So basically, basically which... Ryanair tried to take the... Well, I wouldn't say BA. moral high ground, the, the, but... The, no, <laughs> I wouldn't call that. But you're, you're right. You know what? Sometimes the best part of my day is getting on Twitter and just stumbling across something Some where... Some amusing story. You know, and it can really be about anything, but you just see how creative people really are and that... <laughs> It just makes me so happy. <laughs> it does, absolutely. So moving on to the next story, and as uh, as Nev's on holiday this week, Rasim, we've uh, left the next story for you, Armando, and uh, yeah, a bit of a nice Mail Online story. Yeah, so like you said, this is from the DailyMail.co.uk, and it is about uh, British Airways' new amenity kits for first class. Um, so let's see, British Airways is rolling out its brand new amenity kits for first class cabins on Sunday. And this website uh, unboxed one to see what goodies you get in return for a ticket costing thousands of dollars or pounds. Uh, see, we, off we also offer a sneak peek of British Airways new pajamas and crockery that we'll be taking to the skies. The bes bespoke amenity kit bags are by Temperley, London. They feature its star design and contain products by, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Elemis? Elemis? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Elemis because um, yeah. I have similar stuff. Go, we'll go with it. Up, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, uh, he's busy watching the video. You won't, yeah, you won't get any yeah. sense out of him. For I think five it's minutes. Elemis because yeah. I think they also have their products on cruise ships. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. No, I have. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, let's go yeah. with that. I remember it from the Ultra Smart Pro Collagen range. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's working out well for you. I yeah. mean, really, no, no fine yeah. lines or wrinkles. I don't look at day over fifty. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Four, forty-five. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Thanks. <laughs> let's see. The uh, Daily Mail Online travel section was sent a mail bag, which contained the following Elemis products. Uh, it was this Ultra Smart Pro Collagen Eye Cream, a Pro Collagen Matrix Moisturizer, a cleansing. My cellar facial wipe, skin soothes shave gel, and a hydro nourish lip balm. These all sound like airplane parts. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the plan. That's, I know, right? Let's see. There was a pen. There was a, a toothbrush, toothpaste, tissues, earplugs, socks, eye mask, and a plastic comb. They had Let's shaving see. cream, but no razor. Interesting. Yeah, right. You just put it on and yeah. look like you have a beard, like yeah. uh, Captain Nick. <laughs> Yar. Everybody just... <laughs> uh, let's see, it goes on to, to talk about the pajamas or loungewear, as British Airways calls it. Um, super soft, new crockery, uh, bone china, high-end British tableware designer William Edwards, uh, accompanied by cutlery from Studio William. So, again, this is a, you know, I'm sure Nev will be happy to see this. This is, you know, we've, we've talked a couple times about British Airways sort of 
elevating themselves again. And I think over the last couple of months, they've been listening to us and they're doing a fine job. <laughs> That's right. It's because they've been listening to us. That's precisely mm -hmm. uh, why. I think don't don't doubt the influential uh, reach of PTUK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're lovely. Uh, it's all lies, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> did, did you do the, the whole first class thing over here? Uh, no. Step? no. No. No, okay. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't I, get any of these bits. I do remember getting on Virgin Air, Air, Virgin Atlantic for the first time, and they had these amenity kits. And I think I was in business class, and it was, it was actually kind of nice. And I, I ended up keeping some of the stuff for future air travel. Oh, too right. Yeah. Yeah, I have plenty of amenity yeah. kits from previous uh, business <laughs> exactly. class. At some point, you're like, I don't need any more small bags. No, and no, 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 Plastic no. combs. I, I do cherish my Virgin I Atlantic. Mess pajamas that I've got at home. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Awesome. The eye masks are great. I do keep those. Really? Yeah. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> I'm not too sure about the socks because I've got quite a few of those socks that come with the amenity kits and they're... Oh, I usually just wear yeah. those like the one time and then... Yeah. Car, car, car polishing cloths. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not the, the highest quality socks. You know, they're just... I, 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 really? That's a shock. <laughs> I sort of expected them to be made from, I don't know, fresh goat or something. <laughs> goat air. <laughs> no, that's nice. It's nice. I think uh, Neville definitely enjoy this when he flies uh, first class with BA. <laughs> and uh, perhaps we, you know, when we go to Dubai in November, we might, you know, BA if you're listening. Um, oh, right. <clears throat> Dubai okay. Air Show. <clears throat> anyway, uh, moving on to the <laughs> next uh, story. And uh, Steph, this one is uh, one for you. Sure. This one is from usatoday.com. And it says, investigators believe Boeing anti-stall system was activated in Ethiopian crash. Uh, in a preliminary finding, uh, officials investigating the crash of an Ethiopian Airlines Boeing 737 MAX 8 believe that a flight control feature designed to prevent a stall was activated before the plane nosedived and crashed, the Wall Street Journal reports, citing multiple unnamed sources. Just leave that there. Um, <laughs> The findings, based on data retrieved from the plane's black boxes, come as the family of a Rwandan passenger who died on the March 10 flight has sued Boeing, the maker of the plane, in a U.S. court. The officials probing the crash report that the preliminary findings suggest similarities between the Ethiopian crash, which killed 157 people on takeoff from Addis Ababa, and the crash of Lion Air in Indonesia, also on takeoff, that killed 189 people six months ago. The report tracks with a statement by Ethiopian Minister of Transport, oh man, Dagmawit Mogis, sure, who has said uh, preliminary data indicated, quote, clear similarities between both crashes. The emerging consensus was relayed to the Federal Aviation Administration on Thursday, one of the officials said. The preliminary finding points to a misfiring between the same automated system called MCAS that occurred just prior to the crash of the Lion airplane shortly after leaving Jakarta. In the, let's see here, in the Lion Air crash, the new stall prevention system based on erroneous sensor information repeatedly pushed the plane's nose down. According to, to the preliminary report, the pilot was forced to battle the controls before losing control and plunging into the Java Sea. Boeing this week announced changes in the MCAS system to make it less aggressive and to give pilots more control to override it if necessary. In addition, Boeing said the system will rely on data from the two angle of attack sensors, not just one. Oh. That's an interesting misspelling of Boeing there. Nick, Captain Nick would be proud. <laughs> Boeing. Boeing, by any chance? <laughs> no, but it's... Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's like foreign, only Boeing. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> wow, good work. Good job, you say today. <laughs> Boeing also said that the anti-stall system would only engage once per event instead of repeatedly forcing the plane to nosedive. 
The journal reports that U.S. air safety regulators have tentatively approved the Boeing software and pilot training changes. The lawsuit filed against Boeing was filed in a federal court in Chicago by the family of Jackson Musoni. It alleges that Boeing had defectively designed the automated flight control system. The suit charged that the plane was defective in design, had inadequate warnings, and was unreasonably dangerous. Um, yes, so, so reportedly from this coming from sources close to the investigation, yeah. um, this was an article that just came out yesterday, I believe. I don't know what day, what day is it today. I'm, uh, yes, I'm I, sure. I can't imagine yeah. why your days would be all over the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. 30th uh, today. Uh, yeah. yeah, But um, I, I did just want to point, um, I'm not the most qualified to speak on all of these issues related to mm. the 737 MAX 8. I know it's been in the news a lot. There's been a lot of misreporting related to it. And um, if you guys are okay with me plugging a different podcast, yeah, I would say... Oh, I know I what would, you're going to say, the Airplane mm, Geeks. Yeah, this week's oh, Airplane yeah. Geeks. It's episode 545, um, Captain Jeff Felmuth, who flies the uh, 737, um, both the uh, 800 as well as the MAX 8, mm. has a lot of really great information related to this. Um, his explanations are very clear, and um, he gives a lot of good insight as to what the issues are and what they're looking at. So yeah. I would point everyone that direction for, for definitely, absolutely, it very much, very much worth a listen. Actually, I, I listened to it earlier this week, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it is, it is. I, th I think if you're going to listen to stories and news yeah. and stuff about this particular aircraft, you, absolutely, you need to hear it from you somebody do. who actually who knows what they do. And yeah. of course, and, and, exactly. and this seems to be a, a common thing, isn't it? And I know we we cover it a lot. I mean, I was talking to someone recently about the Shoreham crash and one of the things that's so awful about all of this is how um, the uh, the media reporting involving all of these stories it's all scaremongering and it's just awful isn't it there there just aren't the details there that should be for for some of these mm. stories uh, but uh, yeah and I tell you what there are a lot of um, media outlets who could learn an awful lot from that APG episode uh, from the Airplane, Airplane Geeks, the Airplane, Airplane Geeks, Geeks um, yes. uh, episode. I mean, they, 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 you know, I can think of a couple of so-called correspondents who uh, who communicate uh, and talk to people like Sky News and stuff. Um, there's one I won't mention because he'll probably block me on Twitter again. But he's got curly hair, uh, and um, I dare say uh, he would learn a lot by listening to that episode. To be honest. So, moving on to the next story for all the Airbus lovers. You may, you may remember a, I think it was last week actually, it might have been the week before we covered the story about the uh, ANA. I think it was you, um, Armando, had the story that, that week. And this one is uh, on Flight Global. And uh, the ANA are showing off their second A380. Japanese carrier, Al Nippon Airways, second Airbus A380 has been rolled out at the airframers paint facilities bearing a green variant of the specially commissioned sea turtle livery. I beg your pardon. Airframe <laughs> MSN263 which will be registered as um, uh, Julia Alpha 382 Alpha has been painted at the Airbus facility and Hamburg Finkelwerder. Very good. I know. <laughs> it features a modified design of the turtle livery being applied to all three of the A380s ordered by the airline. The Rolls-Royce Trent 900-powered jets will be put into service on Hawaiian routes. ANA took delivery of its predecessor, uh, Julia Alpha 381 Alpha, during a ceremony in Toulouse on the 20th of March. Now, this aircraft had a blue version of the scheme, while the third aircraft will be painted in orange. Now, that's going to be interesting to see. 
Now, Matt, I didn't know we had a chance to put the pictures up on the uh, screen for that story while we were doing that. But uh, Oh, this one here. That yes. one there, Sorry, yeah. yeah. For those of you watching go. in the YouTube world, I mean, I, I quite, I, that's quite, I like that, actually. They've got, they've done quite a range. Wasn't it one last week? The, the blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah the blue. absolutely. Yeah. They've, they've got a blue one, a green one, and an orange. Orange yeah. coming I'm up. I'm not sure how I feel about an orange. They're all going to be turtle? Turtles, yeah, they're all oh, going to be okay. turtles. Yeah. Why do you reckon, Armando, any favourites between the three? <laughs> Uh, I think I like the blue one so far. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely something quite. I'll tell sad. you what we need to do on this show. We need to find someone who is an aircraft airframe paint sprayer because I'd right. love to know what oh, it takes yeah. to, to, to work get the involved. detail and stuff on these aircraft. Because again, I assume these are these are not wraparounds as I call them. I mean, no. I assume no, these are. I think it's are... a lot of tape and uh, yeah, absolutely. No, seriously, masking, masking tape and, and, and covering areas you don't want to. Well, this is it. I mean, it's so scary. It's just such a cool uh, skill that these people have. I I just can't get my head around. You're you're a Star Wars fan, Matt. Do you remember Uh, the um, the Star Wars themed? I think it was yeah. There was R two D two and stuff, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. was that Air Was that Japan Airlines? I can't remember. I think it was. It wasn't Al Nippon Airways. Airways I think I seem to remember. Um, had this, the Star Wars theme. The, the yeah. chat room will know. They'll, they'll yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll be correcting them. us as yeah. we speak. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's, it's great. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, this is ANA also, correct? ANA. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They yeah. Like to do these they obviously, it, it is their thing, isn't it? When are they going to do a Star Trek one? You know, being the being a Trekkie <laughs> here. <laughs> Oh, I'd love yeah. to see the Enterprise right. oh, would you? on the side of... Right, uh, okay. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't hold your breath, mate, I've no. got to be honest. Any uh, airline uh, owners there, uh, right. just make sure you get Okay, one. just okay. W- would you mind, yeah. Yes. So the next story, and uh, the next one is for you, Matt. And, oh, is it? Uh, oh, this is sorry. another uh, Airbus story, actually, for okay. you Airbus lovers out there. Yeah. Okay, so just remind me what number on it is. On Flight so. Global, this one. Yeah, what, what number on... Uh, which, sorry, I, I was doing something else at the time. God, I've done a huge segue there. Isn't yeah, it? I know. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is it? Is it the uh, flight global? Uh, blah, 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 sorry, I was doing something else. You'll you'll see. Is it, is it the uh, pictures Airbus aims to deliver first Delta? Yes. Is that the one? That's okay, the one. so uh, I might even pick my camera. What do you reckon? There we uh, go. Anyway, flightgobal.com. I'd really slick. Nobody noticed. Uh, Airbus aims to deliver first Delta A330-900 by May. Now, we were having a conversation about the... Was it the A330? Yes, we, it was. We were talking about earlier. And I, everybody knows how I feel about the 75. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Carlos has a similar feeling about for the A330. But anyway, yeah. so the Airbus expected to deliver the first A330-900 Delta Airlines within the next two months as it works to stabilise production of the Rolls-Royce Trent 7000 powered twin jet during 2019. Delta, which is the North American launch customer, has 35 A330-900s on order. Airbus A330 head of marketing Crawford Hamilton says that the first delivery of Delta is expected in April or early May. He adds, with a rice pile, it's fantastic that the airline will operate the new Airbus big twin from its hub in Seattle. Seattle, home of rival Boeing. The first Delta A330-900, um, what, MSN1915, what does that mean? Is that the flight the, number? The, uh, see, um, not the uh, airframe number. Oh, right. I see, right. Okay. It's currently on the flight line in Toulouse, being prepared for delivery. Uh, the aircraft will seat 281 passengers, including 29 in business, 28 in premium economy, 56 in extra legroom economy, and 168 in standard economy. Uh, initial deliveries of the A330neo have been hampered by a hold-up in deliveries of Trent 7000s from Rolls-Royce. However, Hamilton expects delays could all be eliminated 
eliminated during 2019. We'll get to normality this year. All the plans are in place and are being carried out. Meanwhile, Airbus expects to receive approval from the US Federal Aviation Administration for beyond 180 min uh, extended twin engine operations imminently. Validation is ongoing and is likely within the next 10 days, says the A330 slash A340 chief engineer uh, Francois Kubica. Uh, this will follow European approval, which was received in January. Now, Steph, you you had uh, the privilege of flying over on a 330. Mm, yes. And uh, how was it? So, yeah, we were talking about the 330 earlier. Yes. And um, as far as Airbus products go, I think it's probably my favorite just to fly on. It's it's generally roomy. Um, the, the airlines that I fly do a nice job of um, uh, basically the layout of the seat. So it doesn't ever feel too crammed. There's lots of legroom. I found that in both economy and other uh, classes of fares. So you flew premium economy? Yeah, premium, I think UK. is how they describe it is that a separate yeah. cabin yeah so there's economy and then premium and then first class or upper class i think is how it was and distinguished you, and the the service the actual uh yeah i, I slept for passenger most, experience. most of the flights so <laughs> um the sleeping conditions were good yeah. i'll say that much for it so you didn't use the ife much then? no i didn't use it at all <laughs> actually that's not true i um I put on uh, they were having they actually were having an issue with the inflate entertainment in oh, terms no. of getting the it was working fine but it wasn't showing the preview for the movies oh, okay. so you didn't know what movie it was until you you had to <laughs> scroll through button. all of them yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> you know you couldn't just see it in the menu so you you had to start with the first one and then just work your way through them to know what it was I got as far as the bees and Beetlejuice was there and I was like that's great that'll do <laughs> yeah. oh, Beetlejuice was fine. yeah and I fell asleep halfway through it yeah as you do yeah, yeah. Armando what about you you uh, a fan of the 330 or have you um not had the yeah, privilege I, of flying? I don't I don't mind it uh, that's what I flew on uh, American not too long ago when I came over here and it, it was a uh, pretty comfortable even in the back of the bus but um, yeah I, you know I've, I've no issues with it I was just while uh, while you guys were talking I was looking up to see where Delta is gonna fly this and it looks like they recently announced that it's gonna go Seattle to Shanghai Seoul and Tokyo um, that'll be the the city pairs that it's gonna be flying Cool. Wow! Cool. Wow! Definitely. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've been frantically trying to get the pictures up. I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, um, it's no, it's not. Uh, okay, but uh, it was actually two two years ago to this very day uh, that myself and Owen were in Toulouse having our tour around the factory. Uh, I can't believe where that two years has gone already. That's really scary. Yeah. Two years ago today. Yeah, it was. In fact, that was that was actually my test flight, wasn't it? Before I went to the states. Yes, it certainly was. Yeah, it, where because yeah. I because I think it was a few months previous to that where I'd had my um, uh, had my sort of fear of flying uh, thing with Captain, Captain Al, Al, and then yeah. he took me up in his little piper, and then and then yeah, and then Owen took me on a on my first test flight. And now look at things. Now look at, now look at yeah. things. Yes, I'm still terrified. He's yes. flying all no, that. No, he's not. He's <laughs> so next story then, Armando, Absolutely. and a bit of a tech one for you. Ooh. Yeah, this is from Breaking Travel News, and it is Etihad Airways has successfully implemented the ICAO's Global Aeronautic, Aeronautical Distress and Safety System recommendations for flight tracking. Uh, Etihad now on, not only meets the GADSS or GADS, recommendation of tracking its flights with position updates every 15 minutes under normal conditions, 
but also at the frequency of once per minute when an aircraft is in distress. Other airlines are expected to introduce the latter by 2021 by the ICAO. In partnership with CETA, uh, Etihad Airways has achieved the, cap the capability with the adoption of CETONAIR's Aircom Flight Tracker System, which uses uh, flight-aware data services to provide precise position, speed, altitude of the airline's airborne fleet worldwide. FlightAware integrates global aircraft position data from the Ariane space-based ADSB system hosted by or on the Iridium Next satellite constellation. The space-based ADSB system provides universal coverage of ADSB-equipped aircraft with positions updated at least once per minute globally, enabling Etihad to modernize its flight tracking capabilities across the entire globe. Uh, the safety of our guests and crew at Etihad Airways remains our number one priority. That's from the airline. Implementing this technology across our entire network is an exciting and groundbreaking milestone, and we're thrilled to have achieved this before the local mandate is in full effects. Um, yeah, so I think this probably, you know, if I was a guessing man, I'd say after the Malaysian Air uh, disappearance, this probably gained a little bit of traction and it's good to see that somebody is, uh, uh, I'm sure there, there may be other, other carriers that have implemented this, but it's good to see that uh, these mm -hmm. long haul carriers starting. I think a lot of people were surprised that that wasn't something we had the capability of doing already. You know, I think people yeah. just assume that we know where aircraft are in the skies at all yeah. times and mm -hmm. oh, surprise, by the way, we don't. Yeah, that, that, or that, it's possible not to. It's a surprise to me, actually. I, I, you sort of well, given the fact that I mean, we're all, I mean, you know, I, I was tracking your flight as you were coming. Mm -hmm. coming I, I don't know if Carlos did do what he did to Armando and text you as soon as you arrived uh, at your destination. Oh, he, I did. Don't know if he, he did, did he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course he did. Yes. Yeah. Who am I kidding? <laughs> Although I thought I sent a text first, anyway. Well, yeah. okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. well, that takes all the fun out of it. Yes, because in case you didn't know that you landed obviously well it's nice to have the reassurance <laughs> of course yeah absolutely. oh good i really am here yeah Thank yeah you. yeah and We're you have tracking you everywhere yeah, and you haven't ended up in dusseldorf which is a possibility <laughs> uh, it seems there's uh, a lot of trust when you <laughs> no I, I think i think this this should be made uh, made mandatory on all airlines i think any anything that travels i sort of assumed you know, it long was distance, you know, i just sort of assumed that it was i mean unless it was a little ga sort of mm. craft where you're not obliged to have uh, any kind of um sort of tracking are you? I mean a lot of them do but it's not essential I, I just assumed that all commercial air air flight um was aircraft yeah well I mean it's, I think it's just a little bit it's a reminder we've only been flying for 115 years or so mm. so uh, <laughs> still new technology <laughs> yeah still new. Somebody thinks, I mean we still have airplanes flying across the ocean mm. and uh the world is is while it is a small globe it, it there's some pretty remote areas of the earth yeah that, you know, True. some of these capabilities just aren't there. Actually, we, we, we discovered, actually, when, when we were at uh, Duxford, didn't we? And it was because mm -hmm. I asked the question. that I, Ironically, it did actually come up on the display we were watching, wasn't it, where the first commercial air flight was actually in 1919, wasn't it? Correct. Mm. Yeah, which which was quite... Uh, it's, it yeah, we was, had guessed a little bit later than that. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's, as you say, we, we've really we've literally only been flying for sort of basically 100 years. Yes, but I think the bigger issue is look at... The technology that we have at our disposal now yes and we yeah. are not utilizing that to the no, fullest extent yeah 
Yeah, I think that's a mental note. Uh, ne- never make assumptions, I guess. Mm. <laughs> so the next story is uh, is one uh, that Steph's going to read, but this is a special story uh, just for Pip. Ah, oh, yes. Now I have a quick quick point of order here before oh. I start reading this. Uh-oh. Since I'm sitting here with you all, do I have to say Phenom or is it, can I say Phenom? Oh, I thought <sighs> it was Phenom. Oh, I don't know. Phenom sounds good, I suppose. Stay true to your roots, Steph. Phenom? Yeah. Oh, phenom it is. It's, okay. it's a phenom governor. Uh, a, a what now? <laughs> <laughs> right, good. I'm glad uh, we had this You time. know what? Yeah. I, I'll humor everyone. Phenom. <laughs> we'll just give it a try. Uh, isn't, that is how Pip pronounces it, though, isn't it? He pronounces it the phenom, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's wrong. Lemon. But he's, yes, but he's wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you listening to that? Pip's Pip, in the chat. Pip, yeah. Pip is listening. He, he's, he's crying. I'm he's definitely crying getting it. Yeah. Here comes uh, the abuse. Brace yourselves. Know, yeah. Yeah, it's busy yeah. updating now. Look, there we go. What did he say? Carry on, Steph. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm just going to say Phenom. Embraer reaches Phenom 300 milestone with latest delivery. This is from the breakingtravelnews.com website. Uh, Embraer has delivered the 500th Phenom 300 series business jet. According to General Aviation Manufacturers Association reports, the Phenom 300 is the only business jet model to reach this milestone within the last 10 years. Being the fastest and farthest flying light jet, the Phenom 300 has set multiple speed records certified by the National Aeronautic Association and the Federation Aeronautique Internationale. Ooh, get you. That's probably not (laughs) correct. The Phenom Phenom 300 has fascinated customers since it entered the market, and its tremendous popularity only challenges us even more to continue to deliver the ultimate customer experience, said Michael Almafitano, President Embraer Executive Jets. This landmark delivery to a current Phenom 100 customer with prior fractional ownership experience further validates the true innovation that the Phenom 300 delivers to private owners, corporations, and operators in the access economy. The milestone aircraft delivered today is the Phenom 300E, the newest edition of the most popular light jet. Uh, Freeman Pickett received his aircraft at Embraer's customer center in Melbourne, Florida, and said the, this guy definitely would have said, the Phenom 100 served us very well for our flights throughout the Midwest. I'm sorry, the what now? Yeah, he's from he's from Florida. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to get the, the regional accent correctly. Um, but as we begin to fly more with more passengers and to destinations farther away, we began to use a Phenom 300 which to which we had access. The 300 has the speed, range, and capabilities that we now need, including single pilot operation, a very important feature for us, with all the cabin space and comfort for everyone on board not to mention all the baggage space. The cabin technology is unrivaled and elegant, and the connectivity is quite convenient. Originally launched in 2005, the Phenom 300 entered service in December 2009 and has sustained more than half the light jet market share since 2012. The aircraft is in operation in more than 30 countries, having accumulated more than 800,000 flight hours on over 600,000 flights over the past decade carrying almost 2.5 million passengers over a distance that circles the Earth 13 times, equivalent to a round trip to Mars. This author did a lot of uh, math there yeah. just now at the yeah. end. Absolutely. <laughs> now, was Pip excited by that story? That's the question. Oh, he spends most of his time excited. He's a pilot, let's be honest. Speed uh, records, <laughs> Phenom, pull the other one, he says. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. Actually, Steph, you, uh, you you may want to buy one of these. You can get grab one in US dollars, nine point four five million. A bargain. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Or, yeah, or no. two. Yeah. Mm, yes. Why not? Although I, I was reading the uh, description about the uh, the Phenom 300 on uh, Wikipedia, and uh, according oh, to because obviously all of their information is a hundred percent accurate at all the time. <laughs> it says here, and Steph sitting next to me. It says six passengers standard configuration, plus one in the cockpit, maximum of ten, including one in cockpit and one on a belted toilet. It's a seat. I'm not. I'm if you put a seatbelt on it, I mean okay. that. that, I, mean, that I mean, if that's not seat one A, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah. Are you, are you sure it's not seat two? Yeah, yeah. number two. <laughs> oh, oh no! Boom. I see what two. you did there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was looking up one of the uh, private operators of the Phenom 300, and it, it's they're quoting if you fly it 200 hours per year, it's somewhere between 631,000. And nine hundred and twenty-one thousand U.S. dollars per year. Um, oh, sorry, six hundred and thirty-one thousand at two hundred hours per year. Nine hundred twenty-one thousand at four hundred hours per year. So, ouch. So, in addition to the low, low price of nine million dollars, you can plan on pretty much anywhere between <laughs> you know, three quarters and a million just to operate it. Uh, good, good to know. Actually, <laughs> Pip said in the chat room that it's pretty standard in biz jets for um, toilet seats to have seat belts. Is it? Yeah. Yes, but can someone occupy that as their seat for the entire? Uh... Well, you'd sort of assume that was the case if it has got a seatbelt on there. I mean, I, you... Well, I, I would just think that would be for. You know, I suppose it's, got it's quite hot out there, and there was some turbulence. <laughs> those well, who are terribly incontinent, that might be. <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, a if you if you location. are, you know, at least you haven't got to go far. You, well, absolutely, you're already yeah. there. Yeah, just lift the seat. Or, yeah. or if you're sitting in that seat and something goes terribly wrong, well, that's probably the right seat to be sitting in. Yeah, I mean, as a nervous flyer, I personally would choose that seat. I have to be honest. As long as there's no sort of, you know, uh, upset turbulence or anything, obviously with the lid oh, yeah. up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll just call oh, yeah, that, that a, short, be... a short commute. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Yeah, okay, uh, right. So he says, yes, you can. Pretty comfy, too. Uh, right. Oh, well, there we know. are. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yes, the porcelain throne. The porcelain throne. Yes, indeed. Uh, BBC News Ooh. is the next story. And, um, well... This is something I suppose we should, we should all ask Steph about after the, I read this. But airlines face lawsuits over toxic cabin air. Mm. Oh. Okay. Five of the UK's largest airlines are facing legal action, which claims pilots and cabin crew are regularly exposed to toxic fumes during flights. Really? The Unite Union said uh, legal notice had been served in 51 cases, the majority of which are against British Airways. EasyJet, Thomas Cook, Jet2 and Virgin Atlantic are also subject to the legal action over aerotoxic syndrome. The airlines have said previous studies found no proof of long-term ill health arising from cabin air quality. The Unite Union, uh, which I'm a member of I might say, uh, which represents the airline staff, claims pilots and crew are exposed to frequent fume events uh, when air drawn into the aircraft becomes contaminated by toxic compounds. Uh, the union says the fumes which originate from the oil used to lubricate the jet engines contain organophosphates and TCP, and that long-term exposure can lead to chronic ill health and life-threatening conditions. Independent expert evidence concludes that our, uh, air on board jet planes can contain a toxic mix of chemicals and compounds that potentially damage the nervous system and may lead to chronic irreversible health problems in susceptible individuals. Um, said Unite's Assistant General Secretary for Legal Services, Howard Beckett. The airline industry cannot continue to hide from the issue of toxic cabin air whilst placing the health and safety of air crew at risk. 
and the story does go on but i mean mm. i think we've, we've all I mean, most of us i mean i don't fly massively frequently but i've been i'm flying on commercial passenger jets since i was four years old i'm still here mm. um and that's this back in the days when smoking was allowed on airplanes but um Steph? Yeah, I can add to this a little bit. We actually just discussed this on the Airline Pilot Guy show because we had a piece of feedback wondering about, um, gosh, I forget how it was worded exactly, but more from the medical side of things, you know, as a diagnosis, aerotoxic syndrome. Um, and I think I had looked up what, um, if anything, um, aviation medical examiners had to say about it in terms of uh, treating these folks who were claiming to have symptoms related to um air fumes in the air um, toxic air on, on aircraft and uh, the the airlines are right here there's no research whatsoever that shows that this is a thing that i could mm. find um i had some studies pulled up before i don't remember what episode it was that we were discussing it on i think i referenced some of them um but basically um it, yes the organophosphates the the tricresyl phosphates or um it's like the organic component of those are known to be toxic, but they weren't able to isolate the toxic um, isomers basically from um, from engine oil um, in the studies. So yes, people have symptoms that sound credible that, um, you know, more than one person has reported the same type of uh, symptoms and issues related to this, but there's no hard evidence or research to support that it's related to anything within the air of an aircraft cabin yeah no i i, I, it, well, I think we all know that i mean most aircraft manufacturers have various filtration systems built into the you know the, the, yeah. the aircraft oh, sure. mm -hmm. I'll, I'll sort of back this up too and now that i can say this back when i was in the air force uh, <laughs> <laughs> hooray <laughs> yeah we we used to have aerospace physiologists and uh, flight docs that would fly um, fairly regularly on each of the U.S. Air Force airplanes, and they would measure everything um, from a health standpoint. So they would measure noise levels. They would measure um, things like this uh, uh, just to have a long-term sort of baseline on, on the kind of hazards that, that air crews are exposed to. And most air aircraft uh, air force aircraft use the same sort of bleed air system to pressurize as a commercial airliner would and uh to this day i have it's not definitive obviously but i have never heard over 20 years of, of flying in pressurized aircraft anything of the sort where they have said there's a, uh, a concern for aerotoxic syndrome or anything like that on our on our our aircraft so mm. Yeah. I think it's a story that will continue to uh, pop up every now and again in the news mm -hmm. feeds with this. Yeah, well, and like I, mean, I said, there, there's, you know, certainly more than one person out there has come forward with the same types of complaints, same types yeah. of symptoms. The question mm. is, what is truly causing that? Well, and you do wonder, like with my negative experience on the 7.5, um, you know, because it was after sort of four and a half, five hours where I was, all right, admittedly, as, as we since discovered, I was actually poorly when I was flying. Um, and perhaps in hindsight, if I'd known, then maybe I shouldn't have been in the air. But, um, you know, perhaps if the air quality isn't quite so good and, and you, you are having respiratory problems anyway, it's, you know, it, it's exacerbated sure, the problem. you can problem. be much more so, sensitive to anything that yeah, just is going yeah. to make you feel unwell. Yeah, indeed. So moving from one health-related story to uh, to another one then, Matt, 
on uh, on the the amazing publication that we have here in the UK, which is obviously The Sun. Oh, dear. Right. (laughs) Okay, here we go then. Uh, It is uh, on The Sun newspaper, so I'm just waiting for it to load, as Carlos says. And the headline is Nut Fair. Two brothers with deadly peanut allergy were kicked off flight because the airline refused to stop serving nuts. Hmm. Okay, so two brothers were kicked off their connecting flights after the airline uh, they were due to fly with refused to stop serving nuts despite the fact that one of them has a deadly nut allergy. The teens, aged 15 and 16, had already completed part of their journey when they were forced to return home. The teenagers were travelling from Atlanta to Manila uh, in the Philippines by themselves after visiting their sick grandfather in the US. Their father uh, told Channel 2 Action News how the first leg of the journey from Atlanta to Seoul with Delta went very smoothly. However, on their onward flight to Manila, they switched to Delta's co-chair partners, Korean Air, and that's where the issue arose. Their mum told No Nut Traveller that their eldest son had explained to the gate agent that he had a severe peanut and tree nut allergy, which can be triggered if people are eating nuts around him. The boy is said to have asked the airline not to serve nuts and for the crew to ask other passengers not to eat nuts around him. He also requested to board the plane early so that he could clean his seat. According to the mother, the boys managed to board early and had already settled down when the flight attendant then told told them the airline would be serving peanuts after all. She said he kept trying to make them understand that serving peanuts around him could put his life at risk because he could go into anaphylactic shock uh, whilst in the air. They did not uh, budge and uh, gave our boys only two options, either stay on the plane while they serve peanuts to the other passengers or get out of the plane. The boys tried to provide different options, uh, like not serving it around them or moving to an empty section of the aeroplane, despite the teens uh, offering to wear a mask on the flight just so that they could get home. Korean Air told them that they had to get off the plane. The boys were said to have been physically removed from the plane with the crew grabbing them to to get them off the flight. The incident left them stranded at the airport in South Korea on their own. Uh, So, yeah, there are are things that that concern me here with this flight. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here and and say that I can kind of (laughs) see where the airline is coming from because if somebody says to you, um, that if you have any kind of contact with nuts that you're going to go into severe life-threatening anaphylactic shock I can understand why an airline would perhaps turn around and say because essentially all these things are based on risk uh, I can understand why an airline uh, perhaps who didn't you know, fully understand the situation would say actually that's not a risk I'm willing to take yeah. Uh, so I know it's awful and it's wrong that these two quite young people, essentially, I know they're sort of verging on adults, but they are nevertheless still classed as minors, certainly here in the UK. Um, you know, so And I know people can fly at that age without, uh, you know, they have their own part. Although the, the lad 15, I don't know what the rules are in the States. Typically, uh, so I know I flew as a, I don't know if it's changed. Um, I don't have children, so I don't have to worry about no. that. But... Um, <laughs> I uh, I flew as a 14-year-old without needing any type of 
special permission. Mm. I can clearly remember doing that pretty much all the way across the country, responsible for myself. Mm. But I think that's the youngest age. If I remember correctly, I think it's 14, but right. I don't know if it's okay. changed recently. Yeah. But I don't know about international travel. That could be a completely, completely different, different kettle of fish. So whilst I'm very sorry that the, these lads were unable to get home, I do, I do have a small sympathy of, I do have a small amount of sympathy for the airline be because of potential risks. Because if you are in the air and they go into anaphylactic shock, sure. um, yeah. What I'd, are, what are I, the, being our doctor, Steph, yeah. in the house? What are the serious implications of, of well, this death? Kind of, oh, they could die yeah. from yeah. from that. Yeah, I mean, very seriously. Um, people who have true, you know, peanut allergies that are severe mm. can go into anaphylactic shock, and that can be deadly. Mm. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where. It, I, I actually agree with you, Matt. I think yeah. that um, I'm going to make another another point about how they handled it here in a minute. Okay, because yeah. I think that no, was that's fair. not yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. um, and, but I, I think not accepting that risk, you know, saying, look, we serve peanut products on our aircraft. There's yeah. no way we can guarantee mm. that you won't be exposed to some trace amount of peanut, yeah. even if we clean things very well and don't serve it on this particular mm. flight. That wouldn't send you into anaphylactic shock at, you know, 38,000 feet somewhere halfway across a, bo a large body of open water. Mm. Um, I can see why they would not want to take that risk on. Absolutely. Um, I think that is something that perhaps uh, the passengers and p especially their parents should have investigated uh, before. And maybe they did. Um, you know, they were, it was a code share flight, so they could mm. have just talked to the um, to the one airline that they originated with in the yes. United States, which was Delta, and just assuming that, you know, code share probably operating yeah. under the same uh, yeah. set of rules basically would would not be a, uh, an issue um, yeah. I think we all know that that's not something we should necessarily expect um, but you really you know if you have that level of an allergy where you have potentially fatal consequences yes. you really do need to be doing all of your homework there before you send your uh, minor children unaccompanied you know yeah. across the world and I understand there's always there's always exceptions. Yeah, there's always exceptions, exceptions and, yeah. and circumstances that come up and make mm. things less than ideal. Um, I don't like how uh, the article mentions that the boys were f uh, physically removed yes, from the aircraft. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Certainly, there's a better way to go about uh, doing that. I don't yeah. know what sort of and also would I, allow that to happen. Again, as you, as you say that, I mean, <laughs> this could have been dealt with before they got on the airplane. I mean, they're, they're, if if they really were unhappy about doing it, then it should have, as you say, perhaps it's a, a breakdown in communication between Delta and their co-chair partner, perhaps. Um, but you know, really. The risks should have been assessed before they yeah. were even allowed to start their journey. If it's me personally and I have a medical condition that is going to impact my potential well-being mm. on uh, on a flight, I'm going to make sure that I have document. I've yes. talked to and documented and wrote down the name of the person that I mm. talked to, so that when something you know doesn't work out as planned, you have mm. some sort of recourse to go back and say, "No, look, this is who I talked to. This is mm. what they assured me. This is what it says in your policies and procedures." Um, you have to have all that in place. But Absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. it was just uh, poorly handled on a lot of yeah, events there. Absolutely. But I, I don't disagree with them not, not allowing them not to a, fly not because a, yeah. that's a huge amount of risk to take on for Absolutely. people well, who are and, minors. And also, I mean, I, I mentioned the word pret-a-manger. There was an incident mm. here oh, yeah, flying yeah. out of here where somebody had a severe nut mm -hmm. allergy. Admittedly, it wasn't the airline's fault. Obviously, they ate something in the in the um, airport purchased, before yeah. they went out they purchased yeah. something and then flew out there obviously and then they had the problem while they were in the air and um yeah so it is a very serious you know and nut allergies i think you know some of us are a little bit guilty of perhaps being quite blasé 
about it, but I mean, people do genuinely have. Yeah, and those can yeah. be uh, more of the one of the more severe allergies to have. Mm. And honestly, there's been a, um, at least one airline I can think of in the U.S. that only recently, like within the last year, stopped serving peanuts on oh, their flights. Yeah. And yeah. they were really kind of known for it. I'm actually kind of sad that they're gone because those honey roasted peanuts were <laughs> delicious. Yeah, I love peanuts. I love peanuts. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> moving on to but the I next understand. story. I understand. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Mondo, the next story is um, um, a bit of an ah. Uh, Story. Yeah, so from that aviation news outlet, The Sun. Oh, uh, lovely. Okay. And uh, <laughs> also k- kicking off our uh, PTUK personals and misconnections uh, segment. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Unexpectedly, yeah. Yeah, we, with our worldwide listenership, perhaps we can help this woman who is desperately trying to track down the lovely gentleman she sat next to on a flight, fearing she may have missed her chance at love. Jamaica Alfiler uh, was flying home to Seattle from Frankfurt this week, having previously been on holiday in Portugal. The 21-year-old boarded the 10-hour Lufthansa 490 flight and sat in window seat, very specific, 43A, next to a good-looking man in his 20s. The business student said the mystery man who sat in 43B helped her with her luggage, her seat, and even offered her his blanket. But Jamaica forgot to get his full name or contact details and is now searching the internet for the handsome stranger, fearing she may have missed her chance at love. She reached out to flight operator Lufthansa to try and track him down, but they were unable to help, so she's turning to social media and PTUK. (laughs) (laughs) Posting the exchange to Facebook, she says, I was trapped. Uh, yep. Uh, kind of repeats itself. Let's yeah. see. Um, we were sitting next to each other for the 10 hour flight. However, I didn't get his name, which is why I'm reaching out because I haven't stopped thinking about him since the plane landed. Oh. Sorry. I'm just so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Steph would like a bucket now, please. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In a Debbie Downer moment, Lufthansa declined to help because of data protection laws. Which, uh, which is correct. Yes, yes. No, yes. they can't. They correct, can't. To be they fair. can't. Because yeah. she might also uh, be an actor. She might be crazy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's true. Right? She sounds a little uh, crazy, I've got to be honest. <laughs> however, they, they said, uh, fingers crossed, karma is on your side and you will see him again. So oh. let's see. Um, she goes on to sort of recount the event and how he helped her with her seat back and her la- her luggage and um, how she didn't use headphones because she wanted to talk to him and he didn't talk back apparently. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it is granted we've talked about this. You know, we all like our own privacy on a ten-hour flight. Um, so either way, uh, uh, good vibes, and I hope that Jamaica finds this. <laughs> young man and <laughs> I, I will say I hope that if it's meant to be it's meant to be and it will work out it'll work out but way, yeah. my, my uh, piece of um, yeah. love advice to Jamaica is Jamaica um, you're 21 yeah. and um, yeah there are other you'll people be you'll be there. fine out yeah. there yeah. you, yeah. you will meet live. someone how are your your neighbors on the way here Steph um, I sat next to neighbors? yeah I did he um, you know we just sat down and exchanged a couple of pleasantries like 
you know, why are you crossing the... He's not going to say it. We keep trying to make Armando say it, and he's (laughs) not going to, all right? Just (laughs) let it go, Carlos. (laughs) And then we proceeded not to talk to each other for the rest of the flight. Oh, Oh, nice. I like that, It was very nice. Yeah, absolutely. I like people who have to respect... You know, he was in the aisle seat, I was in the window seat. He was very... He actually got up to use the the laboratory more more frequently than I did. Um, I'm assuming everything's fine there, but yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, but the one time I, yeah, but you know, I, I yeah. like having the window seat, but I always do feel bad because, on, especially on a long flight, you're gonna have to get up at least once, maybe twice. It's just physiology, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I hate when you're sitting next to someone who's in the aisle seat, and they act like it's the end of the world that oh, you're asking like yeah. oh you're yeah, oh, to get up absolutely. i'm like you're in the yeah. aisle seat like of course it, you're going to have to get up when the people next to you need to empty their platters i yes. am so sorry it is it is the major i'm going to try to do it in see, a see yeah. armando is one of these because he's very chatty you see this mm. is the thing and he, he doesn't he doesn't quite understand the british way that, that we don't talk to each other if at all like, well, I mean, if you talk to somebody where... on the tube I mean, that's, oh, no. This is where you read your, your neighbor, your seatmate, right? Yes. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit, but it was clear yeah. he did not want to talk, and I wanted to sleep, so yeah. that was perfect. Yeah. Um, I had a flight not too long ago. Um, fortunately, it was near the end of the flight that the lady decided she wanted to talk, because okay, I don't good. know if I could have done it for the entire <laughs> flight. Oh. Um, she was very nice. She was very nice, and uh, it was actually very entertaining for about an hour and a half. Minutes, yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Well, a good yeah. hour and a half chat, yeah. and, and I don't mind doing that either. It just depends yeah. on who you're sitting next to. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. It's yeah. going to be a fan one of these days. <laughs> Steph's going to get on board an aircraft. that will be, oh my God, you're Dr. Steph. <laughs> Actually, we were, talking about, mm, we were, we? We were yeah. talking about that. We were talking about that. Yeah, we were talking about that. It's like, yeah, it's sort of like those, those situations. Like, go on then, Armando, hit us with it. Go on. <laughs> What's that? I say, go on, hit us with it. You you're, you were smiling all the way through that. Oh, no, 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 I have nothing to add okay uh. <laughs> i've met some lovely people on on aircraft which makes me think that i'm the chatty one that yes. people are like mm, okay I'm yeah, gonna put right, my yeah i'm done now yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, i'll tell you what i'll tell you what matt then when uh, when me and Gemma flew back from vegas right a few years back with virgin okay the guy who sat next to me right was a pilot oh no <laughs> Oh, did that, that was it. That, you that you was were that, the chatty one. That <laughs> poor, poor, <laughs> innocent man. Look, you can see, obviously, Gemma's face. Yeah. Going, oh, yeah. No. Uh, and how much during the flight did Gemma have her head in her hands during she, all she that? She actually had a, the, the headphones on. I oh, so she didn't have to listen yeah. to anything yeah. going on? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we smart, had a really a good woman. chat. Yeah. Me and this chap had a really yeah. good chat. Yeah, absolutely. Was it a chat or was he just humouring you like I'm on No, he was. I thought I was a geek, but he was like just. Okay. Reeling off most stuff about all yeah. pilots. Oh, no, then that's geeks. fine. That, yeah, yeah, that's your, you know, yeah. your. You found your buddy light. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Maybe he's your soulmate. Yep. Yeah. Did you get his name? <laughs> yeah, I, I did, but I. And contact info. Yeah. 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 Do you have to reach out to social media. Did now? you actually? He gave me a business card. Did he? Oh god! <laughs> oh no! Oh dear! That's the kind of that, yeah. that's the kind of neighbour you want when you're doing long haul. Is it? Mm. <laughs> well, you okay. want one or the other, right? Like you want someone that yeah. you can have pleasant conversation with, yeah. or Absolutely. you want someone who doesn't want to talk to you at all. Ideally, not someone not who's s- going to have very controversial views to ones that you hold. Yes, uh, yes. To, to make it less of a stressful journey. Not but, someone who's going to continue talking at you if you don't want to be no, talked indeed. at, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, yeah one um, nap it should be time, just you yeah. know. Mutual, uh, yeah, respect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the some of the chat room comments are: if you sit next to somebody 
on a plane for 10 hours and you don't know their name, it probably means they don't want you to know. <laughs> yeah, good I point. I would and agree then, with yeah, that. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And Tony S. also says, I hate talking to my seatmates, especially when they're family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Auntie Liz says that uh, she doesn't like to chat on a plane either. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't tend to chat when I'm on a plane, but that a lot of that is down to that sort of, that nervousness thing and it's just like I'm literally sort of clinging on to the armrest for dear life during takeoff you know it's just uh, so I, I'm oh, I don't know I think if you I think if you know the four of us were all sat together in a row on a plane going somewhere <laughs> the, the conversation <laughs> would be would be great I mean actually I was, talk, obviously two I, hours, I was talking maybe. about uh, the Toulouse trip um, uh, early, earlier on in the, the show actually and when myself and uh, Owen went to Toulouse um, I was very very mute on the way out um a very sort of stress busy sort of uh you know sort of gripping hold of the armrests and getting genuinely quite mm -hmm. stressed about it but flying home weirdly um i was peering out of the window i was uh, sort of chatting away to what was going on and and all this kind of thing and i almost sort of didn't realize that we'd taken off and then obviously busy chatting away and didn't realize when i landed so i suppose once i felt a little bit more comfortable uh, about it all it was um it was a very different experience and and so i probably was that one who was you know i think owen probably wanted to just pop on his headphones and go to sleep but no i wouldn't shut up unusual for me eh? yeah it's all good <laughs> so the last story dr steph is oh, yeah, uh, one that uh, we saved uh, for you it's a kind of a and then story you know it's a it's yeah. a nice story to end on but it's, it's, a, it's kind of moving away from the commercial side of things, but it is a really nice sort of yeah, kind of... it's kind of, of a nice transition yeah. here, I'd say. Yeah. This is from the ITVnews.com website. And it says, Spitfire pilot laid to rest more than 70 years after being shot down. A British World War II hero has been buried more than seven decades after his Spitfire was shot down near Venice, Italy. Warrant officer John Henry Coates received a funeral with full military honors at Padua War Cemetery on Wednesday. 22 members of his family reportedly attended the service, although none were alive at the time of his death. Interesting. Mm. An unlucky uh, shift swap sealed the serviceman's fate. He was due to be off work on the day his plane was shot down, but instead, instead joined 111 Squadron in the sky on a mission to destroy barges near Venice in 1945. His plane was hit by anti-aircraft fire and ditched near the village of Kavarziri? Oh, Kavarziri? Oh, I'm sorry. Wherever that is near Venice. And uh, the crash claimed the 24-year-old's life and left his family in limbo as his whereabouts were unknown for the next 72 years. Wow. That's a long time. That is. In 2017, the pilot's aircraft and body were found by an organization specializing in recovering World War II planes. Archaeology specialists Romagna Airfinders uh, worked to find the remains of the plane from the ground and found the body of Mr. Coates inside. Sadly, his family, family members who were alive at the time of of the crash passed away without learning his fate but younger generations have paid tribute to the pilot um ooh, how do you pronounce that name chalet uh yeah that'll do yeah oh, okay coats a descendant of the serviceman told itv news he was a hero explaining her surprise at the news his remains were found within the plains she said it is remarkable after 72 years of being buried in the ground you just can't imagine it mm. she added it is emotional for us to bury someone who should have been buried 70 years ago but it is a good honor, a brilliant honor for us to do it. Mr. Coates will rest alongside more than 480 of his colleagues from the World War, from World War II at the Military Cemetery in Padua, Northern Italy. So yeah, kind of a 
Uh, that know. age, though, Matt, 24. I know. It's so, so young, young, isn't it? So yeah, young. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's it's sort of a scary stuff. And, I mean, obviously nobody uh, will understand stuff like that more than more than the, the, the gentleman sitting all the way over there in sort of the Charlotte area. Bless, I mean, it must... Uh, I mean, you must have lost people in your time who probably weren't a million miles away from that age. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had close friends and uh, some of my fellow aviators that have passed away in aviation accidents, both combat and in training. Mm. Um, but I'll add, you know, the, the end of the story is where he will be buried in a cemetery in northern Italy. And one of the most amazing things to do sobering um, is go to any of the World War II cemeteries throughout Europe, whether you're in France, um, you know, Cambridge, American Cemetery. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's the one at Maddingley, isn't it? If, if you, uh, seriously, if you get a chance to go, it is, mm. it's such a serene experience and it, it's, all, it's, it's weirdly, it's both eerie and beautiful at the same time. It's such a beautiful place to be what what a place for real reflection actually if you need to that's it right it's reflection it's reverent it's uh just kind of reminds you of the the sheer loss of life uh in each one of these conflicts yeah um, but, but this also goes to speak to uh there are a lot of efforts that are ongoing to recover the remains of uh, service members from every country uh, I know we st we in the in the U.S. still have teams in Korea and Vietnam that are looking for missing in action that uh, will go out and investigate for years at a time. They'll go investigate a specific aircraft incident, and they'll go. They continue to this day to interview villagers, and eventually, or not eventually, but often they find uh, wreckage or even mm -hmm. just. Uh, some remain for that individual and, and it's sort of proof and brings closure to the family yes that. absolutely absolutely and uh you know we can't thank them enough really for for doing that because as you say the, uh, closure is so important it's bad enough uh you know that this thing has taken place in the first in the first place but uh, actually to be able to sort of at least it's, it's, it's almost like because it's you've got somewhere to go and pay your respects mm. and i think that's what uh what is so important with stuff like that. And it that. wouldn't surprise me with these guys, because I've seen these restoration um, teams on, on YouTube with the various sites and stuff. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they kind of clean and restore this aircraft or, or kind of, uh, you know, put it, yeah. put it back together. Because I've seen this happen. They've, they've pulled out, um, I think there's one I saw online, they pulled out a, a P-51 Mustang mm. from a, um, a bog somewhere in, in Europe. Yeah. And they cleaned it. They didn't get back to flying condition, but they restored it so it looked absolutely pretty much one, perfect yeah. again. You know, with all you know, with all yeah. the bits and pieces, it was that Indeed. well preserved. So. Indeed. So that yeah, is yeah. where we bring the commercial. Yeah. Before you, before you knew the do the next bit, Carlos. Actually, I should just say we've got uh, oh. uh, Captain Al here, as as you can always oh, rely. No. Obviously, I <laughs> know. Brace yourself. Uh, but in honour of our uh, because of our esteemed guest that we have here in the studio, uh, Captain Al has decided that he's going to e eat a meal, especially in your honour. Oh, uh, which that's is, so touching. Which is oh. so kind of him, isn't yeah. it? So uh, this is Look ribs and blueberry cider as an American tribute to the good doctor. Mm. Uh, but and then he was very. 
very, very good. He, he also followed that on uh, with garlic mussels. Oh, uh, actually, do, that is that a family is serving? Yeah, no, no, no. That's well, a, no, no, I could consume that quantity that, like say, of that's garlic. A, that's a catanal yeah. serving. That's got nothing to. That's well, that's, got nothing to do. Mussels are tiny, though. Like yeah. you could eat that entire. <laughs> I cannot yeah. eat those. Oh, oh no, they're so oh, good. Oh no, you need to you, you need to get out. I'm so sorry. You are wrong. The picture gone. And while we're on the subject of Captain Al, I just want him to know. I don't know if he caught it, but mission accomplished. So. Oh, did I miss it? I think you talked over me, right? Did now. I? Yeah. Uh, it's okay. okay. But it, it's on. It's on. Oh, yeah. no. oh, I got away with it. Didn't <sighs> I? Never mind. All part of the fun. Oh, anyway, sorry. Carry on, Carlos. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. We're just going to uh, have a little break quickly, we and then are, we're going to yes. come back and hand things over to Armando. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have three minutes, 23 seconds to recharge your glasses. Starting now. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester with Air 6X Climb Flight Level 210 Direct to Bretman's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. London to TME, turn right onto Bravo, link. Do one, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird 472, LOC slash TME, approach runway 27 left. Follow the green stand 544. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. So we came up with the idea of having a video course. Obviously ours are, are better because we've got the experience on the aircraft and we know what we need to be looking at. Something that myself and Andy started initially really to improve our own technical knowledge and put something out there. We saw that there was a gap and this wasn't a media that was being used for this purpose and our hunch was right because there's obviously a market for it. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check 
check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. And we're back. Indeed. Hope you all had a chance to uh, refresh your glasses of beer or pints of beer glasses of ale pints of beer we've, we've gone all healthy here in a yes, PTK yes. studio I know what, what is we've this we've gone with water I, I thought we this. were going to be having local beers yes. I'll, I'll, I'll have you know Armando's not letting us down yeah. Look, here, Armando representing zombie. with yeah. a Catawba yeah. Yeah. yeah one of my favourite yeah. Steph, Steph the, the beer's up. coming up later Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. excellent, excellent, yeah. okay. excellent. Yes. Okay. So, so we're going to hand things over then to uh, Armando for the next part of the show. Yeah, that's right. We got a couple uh, military stories. I wouldn't want to take too much time since we have Doctor Steph in the studio. So we'll, <laughs> we'll fine, knock him fine. Out. Take your time <laughs> <laughs> as quick as we can. So, uh, how about Carlos? Are you ready? Ah, ready to go. Doctor Steph, ready. And Matt, pressing I, the buttons. Yeah, I seem to have lost my hand on the video for some reason. <laughs> but anyway, there we are, all part of the fun. <laughs> Here we go. So this first story is uh, kind of going along the same lines what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks now. And this is from the MRONetwork.com, which I believe is part of Aviation Week. Uh, and it is uh, Boeing's 767-based tankers also use a version of the pitch augmentation system that grounded the 737 MAX 8 fleet. Oh, really? Oh, wow. They do, yeah. So the disclosure from the United States Air Force provides new data point in the unfolding story of how Boeing installed the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or the MCAS as we now know it, on its narrow-body narrow airliner fleet. Both the KC-67 and the KC-46 fleets delivered to the Air Forces of Italy, Japan, and the U.S. rely on the, the MCAS system to adjust for pitch trim changes during refueling operations. In the 1980s, Boeing engineers considered using a pitch augmentation system for the commercial version of the 767, but dropped the idea after finding that vortex generators provided adequate control. By 2011, Boeing had already delivered KC-767s to Italy and Japan, fitted with the first version of the MCAS. The use of the system then spread as Boeing won the Air Force's KC-46 contract in February and launched the 737 MAX 8 in August. But Boeing designed the integration on the KC-767 and the KC-46 slightly differently than the 737 MAX family. The single aisle airliner uses one angle of attack vane, either the captains or the first officers, to generate data used by the flight computer to activate the MCAS. By comparison, the KC-767 and the KC-46 are designed to use two sensor inputs to feed angle of attack data, says Boeing. Uh, the US Air Force has launched a review of flight procedures for the KC-46, said a uh, Air Force spokeswoman. The USAF does not fly the models of aircraft involved in the recent incidents, but we are taking this opportunity to exercise due diligence by reviewing our procedures and training as part of our normal and ongoing review process. 
Um, and I think this type of implementation is exactly what Boeing is looking at for their right. fix, as we just kind of just talked about. So, so I mean, so how long has this uh, particular aircraft been um, flying then uh, in, in the form to which it's here in the story? I think that 2011 was the first 767 tanker with the first version of the MCAS. Right, okay. And and there's no incidences per se known um, based on, on that. But is I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I dare mention this word. I mean, do, is it perhaps because they were more aware of how the systems were working? I, I... Well, sort of, again, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to... Uh, Colonel Jeff and yep. his explanation of the MCAS system, but also his explanation of the way crews are trained um, okay. in a not just a runaway trim situation, but specifically how you know how to deal with this MCAS system. Now, I think as it all sort of comes out in the wash, yes, there there could definitely be more training or could have been more training for the pilots on the MCAS system. Mm. Uh, but there was also, you know, the revelation that it was an option. It, it yeah. was what if you use one sensor or two sensors was an option um, that was provided by Boeing and the Air Force versions have, it, it seems from this article, have always used two sensors right from the barn. Yes. Uh, and that, which kind of makes sense really because you, you sort of, almost assume that there would be um, like redundancy perhaps in any uh, aircraft system where you know it's sort of comparing two lots of data rather than one that's it but then you know there um, sort of an opposing viewpoint to that is if in comparison to the Airbus where you have three mm -hmm. sources of data yes right if you have two sources of data then which one is malfunctioning of course right. so yeah. okay how do you know you know and then, there's, then there's still always the possibility that the if you have two malfunctioning and giving the same reading, they'll vote out the one good yeah. remain. So no system is going to be no. perfect or no, foolproof. True. It's more well, in I, what you said with the training and knowing and see, how this, to manage irregularities. The, this is my this is my problem with the way that a lot of media have been covering these stories because there's a lot of hearsay and a lot of um, like there's no there's no real because the investigation is still ongoing. So the long and the short of it is, is there's no real concrete information that's being offered yet and everybody's making assumptions um, you know even the story that i read earlier um where they they said they had more mm. uh data pointing towards the similarities between the two crashes it's it, there were sources that wanted to remain anonymous you yeah. know they weren't able to cite any specific data points yeah. um so i still it, it, I'm basically just sitting back still and, and waiting. Yeah, to absolutely. Which see is, more. I think, what we should, you know, it's fair enough. You, you know, report on the incident and the fact that lots of people have lost their life and et cetera and that. But you know, stop with the hearsay. I mean, it's great, obviously. Uh, you know, it's interesting actually because I, I, I didn't realise that this particular MCAS system also existed in in the or a variant. I assume it's, it's is it the same system? Did you say, Armando? I'm sure there's slight variations, but I, I think it's probably the same core system the MCAS system on these seven sixes yeah okay yeah fair mm. point mm. so moving on to the next story which is on flight global and uh, we all know Nev is a big fan of flight global because he uh, loves the font 
Right. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that they're That's the always... leading aviation experts in. Yeah, okay. The standard disclaimer. Standard yeah. disclaimer, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So the headline on this story then US Air Force selects first airbase to host. B-21 Raider stealth bomber. The US Air Force selected Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota on the 27th of March as the preferred location to base the first operational Northrop Grumman B-21 Raider, uh, the stealth's aircraft formal training unit. After that, Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri and Dai, oh, you probably know that one better than me, Steph. Ooh, I actually don't know. Okay. Dias? Dias Air Force Base. Huh? Armando knows, was it? Yep, Dias Air Force. Dias, Dias Air Force Base in Texas will also receive B-21s as they become available, says the service. The U.S. Air Force says it's selected bases using criteria meant to minimize mission impact while transitioning from older bombers, maximize facility reuse, minimize costs, and reduce overheads. It's all about saving money. Uh, these three bomber bases are well suited for the B-21, says Secretary of the Air Force Heather Wilson. And she says we expect the first B-21 Raider to be delivered uh, at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the mid 2020s, with subsequent deliveries phased across all three bases. Uh, Ellsworth Air Force Base was selected as the first base because it has enough space and facilities to handle missions at the lowest cost and with minimal operation impact across all three bases, says the U.S. Air Force. Uh, in November 2018, USAF selected Tinker. Air Force Base. I always love that name when we have that on the show. Tinker <laughs> Air Force Base. It just, it just really sounds like something military in nature, doesn't it? it? Does. Tinker yeah, Air Force yeah. Base in Oklahoma and Edwards Air Force Base in California as maintenance bases for the B-21. Edwards Air Force Base will also test and evaluate the aircraft as the air base is home to the Air Force Test Center, which leads aircraft testing and evaluation for the service. Ultimately, the service aims to incrementally uh, retire existing Rockwell B-1 Lancers and Northrop Grumman B-2 Spirits when a sufficient number of B-21s are delivered. However, Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana and Minnow Air Force Base in North Dakota will continue to host the B-52 Stratofortress, which the U.S. Air Force can, expects to fly through to 2050. That just figure just amazes me every time I hear it. Mm. Uh, the U.S. Air Force has said very little about the B-21 Raider. There are few details known about its uh, appearance as the service only has realized an artistic rendering that shows a uh, flying wing design which may differ from the stealth aircraft's final look. In its fiscal year 2020 budget proposal, the US Air Force requested a more than 30% increase in funding, about $3 billion for its heavy bomber, as the program moves from design to manufacturing and development. The aircraft completed its critical design review in November 2018. The stealth bomber is portrayed by the service as the meta metaphorical uh, tip of a spear, the leading uh, edge of any coordinated air force thrust deep into enemy territory. The aircraft designed to carry nuclear and conventional weapons. <laughs> We are Armando's raising his eyebrows to that I'm, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, we are procuring, they said, the B-21 radar as a long-range, highly survivable aircraft capable of penetrating enemy airspace with a mix of weapons, said Air Force Chief of Staff General David Goldfein, as it is a central part of penetrating joint team. Armando, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I think Brace we're just yourselves. both wondering who wrote this article, yeah. the latter <laughs> half of this article. <laughs> Moving past the obvious, yes. uh, it's, it's actually Minot Air Force Base, and 
I looked up Tinker Air Force Base, and it is Tinker. named after Major General Clarence L. Tinker, the first Native American. Oh, major. wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I was sure it was someone's name. I just am not familiar with yeah. Oklahoma history. Uh, so Ellsworth Air Force Base, uh, I have been out there, not not uh, for any extended period, actually just for refueling. There, these All of the bases mentioned are already bomber bases. Um, I have served in some choice locations in the air force uh probably not uh, that's a not, word not yeah. first choice yeah, is what you're yeah, yeah not yeah. first choice we have this thing called a dream sheet and uh I've, I've been lucky enough to to be in places that uh probably don't make it up to people's uh, dream sheets ellsworth air force base probably one of those places but it's in a beautiful part of the country in the black hills of south dakota right near uh, mount rushmore so if they're looking for Areas of the continental United States that have large operating areas where you aren't really getting in anybody's way, uh, probably South Dakota and, and Missouri are, are good places to be. Uh, these, these aircraft, they, they will base their fly around the world um, or all over the world and then return to that base in one sortie. So they, it makes them for some pretty long flights. Wow. Well, that's, that seems pretty cool, actually. Uh, I, uh, I don't know quite what... I'll tell you what, guys. I'm seriously thrilled uh, that, uh, thank goodness, we are going out for a meal after this show because... Uh, <laughs> are you feeling now, hungry? I am now. So basically, Al is sending us pictures, which is fine. Now, I don't know if the all of this food was sent to us in one sitting. Is this one meal, Al? Because... So it looks like some kind of like like a kebab or something that he's got the yeah, the, the like remnant. Sliced. Yeah, absolutely. It's like like the donami closely followed by a hamburger. Now I don't know if this is one meal that or obviously with the ribs before it. Uh, Go back <laughs> to the last picture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, hmm, it's hard to tell from the uh, yeah the table absolutely. and the location. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I dare say uh, more food related updates from Captain Al will be uh, forthcoming as oh dear. As always, but uh, whilst we await those, I think we should move on to the next story. Steph, Steph. I think you've got the next one. I yeah. do. This one is from <laughs> Popular Mechanics. Okay. Com. Interesting. Um, the Air Force's new um, uh, AI is like R2-D2 for fighter jets. Oh, oh, wow. Yes, now we're talking. Yes. <laughs> the U.S. military wants to put artificial intelligence in the cockpit as an assistant or AI-powered wingman. Oh, Oh, I like this. This is the uh, yes. caption, I think, for the picture that goes along. Yes, it's there we go. Picture there. Of R2 they, D2. they can see it okay, now. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> caption that goes along with this is, the Pentagon is building a pilot's little helper. Yay. Okay. Uh, a new AI under development called Skyborg would either act as a robotic co-pilot or drone wingman performing important tasks while the human pilot flies and fights the aircraft. <laughs> fights the aircraft? Interesting. Um, <laughs> Will Roper, the Air Force's Assistant Secretary for Acquisition, Technology, and Logistics, says the Air Force Research Lab is currently building a, quote, completely game-changing technology. According to oh, C41SRnet? C4ISRnet. Oh, okay, I was totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you did that. <laughs> Roper uh, compare, uh, compared Skyborg to R2-D2 of Star Wars fame. Luke Skywalker's trusty droid that nestled behind the cockpit in an X-Wing fighter. In the movies, Luke can issue voice commands to R2-D2 asking the droid for navigation info or to repair the starfighter while he flies. In the real world, Skyborg would consist of two systems. The first is an R2-D2-style AI that would ride in a manned fighter as a co-pilot. Like Luke Skywalker, the Air Force pilot of the, future, of the near future could interact with the AI via voice commands. 
AIs could also perform tasks for pilots in single-seat jets that were traditionally reserved for co-pilots, such as radar operation and target identification, navigation, and increased situational awareness. One particular task Roper has in mind for Skyborg is target recognition, taking sensor data and attempting to identify nearby aircraft, including hostile ones. <laughs> such my, such oh, a task mirrors what radar interceptors. Nothing officers. could go wrong there. Sorry. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, yeah. Such a task mirrors what radar intercept officers, the second crew members manning the F-14 Tomcat, performed in the iconic two-seat fighter jet. The second system that an AI would fly, or that would fly, well, let me try that again. <laughs> the second system is an AI that would fly an unmanned vehicle, such as Boeing's Loyal Wingman or Crowder Defense's XQ-58A uh, Valkyrie, according to, let's see if I get right this right, this time, C4ISRNet, such a system, huh? Yeah, no. Such a he, system. He's nodding, it's all good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Such a system might even go into the QF-16 drone, a decommissioned F-16 re reconfigured for unmanned flight. The QF-16 currently serves as a target drone, but powered by a sophisticated AI, it theoretically could become an inexpensive, expendable combat drone that carries its own weapons. If either of Skyborg's possible roles, the Air Force insists uh, the emphasis Oh, in either of Skyborg's possible roles, the emphasis is not on creating a system that can replace pilots, and bring up all the thorny ethical questions involving AIs in combat. Oh dear. But a system that enhances the effectiveness of human pilots, allowing them to manage more tasks in a increasingly complex combat environment. This could help ensure that humans are in the loop when it comes time to release weapons and possibly kill or injure other humans. The emphasis on using AI and autonomous systems to enhance rather than replicate human performance is probably the best way forward for a technology that has spawned concerns that robots could roam battlefields, Terminator style, <laughs> killing humans without oversight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they Sky took a lot of leaps in that article, yeah, didn't they? <laughs> Skynet is suddenly a very nervous <laughs> phrase right now. Yeah. And now, I mean, now, there, there are there are a couple of issues I have with this story. I'm not going to lie. One of the main ones is I don't know if anybody's tried to use the voice activated. AI that's in their car uh, <laughs> I mean I'm just hoping that they'll be a little better at it if it's going to be used in combat situations because uh, certainly when I try and talk to either Siri or my Google Assistant it, it has um, interesting results funnily yeah. enough. although Alexa so, I have to say is quite good yeah, yeah Alexa's uh, good I use uh, voice recognition software every day at my job in mm. the form of um, voice to tech or voice yes, to yeah. yeah for for dictation yeah uh, we use the dragon system and most of the time it is very good mm. sometimes it is very bad yeah and when it's i mean this is not the case of what would happen here but the mm. problem i have with it is that when it uh misinterprets what i say yeah. uh it doesn't mm. it's not like a typo where you can easily see that the <laughs> word is incorrect no. your no. brain just scans past it yeah. because it's a word because it's a word and therefore it'll and do, it yeah. makes zero sense yes uh, and or uh, you know if you go by the uh, the google uh the, the youtube uh subtitle system that's on yes. here very, oh, very similar and, yes. and it refers to uh nev as sir nipple bounds which is always <laughs> the way forwards but uh, it's it's just one of those those tricky ones i mean i des and actually and you're, you're you're talking about the dragon naturally speaking system mm -hmm. which i'm i'm very familiar with and actually if you do sit down and hopefully perhaps the the military will yes. do this if you sit down and train, train it, it properly uh it is one of the best systems out there for getting it 
right when yes. it comes to everything from grammar to all that so i mean as long as they employ some similar system perhaps in making sure that you you know the person who's flying it, it you know trains it to recognize its its uh, commands properly then i the whole thing is just, just a, amazing uh, though isn't it you know you'd always want like a feedback loop there too though <clears throat> you know before yeah. you just say something and it starts doing it you want to have confirmation yes, you have to sort of confirm more yeah. yes I, I don't know i mean so come on armando how how do you feel about stuff like this i mean it sounds amazing i mean everybody's dreamed of flying a, a an x-wing plane with um i'm just with, obviously with r2d2 stuck behind visions of fighter jets with alexas in on board oh god no. alexa <laughs> fire my missile yeah. i mean my alexa worked great you say to alexa turn off the downstairs lights and she'll turn off the television you know it's it's brilliant uh, <laughs> yeah as uh, as steph was reading that article i i was thinking well maybe skynet when they started advertising, they yeah. also guaranteed that there would be a human in the loop. Yes. So, mm. uh, no, I, you know, there, there's, uh, I've been educated a couple of times when I've said AI about something and, and then somebody retorts by saying, well, there's a difference between machine learning and AI and deep learning. Um, so there are sort of three subsets of AI. Mm. And uh, there was a different article on this Skyboard um, from Flight, Glo uh, Flight Global, that's the Air Force Research Lab is is the one sort of leading the way on this technology, and they're very familiar with the the voice detection algorithms and things like 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 you're talking about. They're they're very much involved in industry and academia, but uh, but even more so than just the rec the voice recognition. This, I mean, it's sort of a it's it's got to be the way that yeah. That, that the future of warfare is going to be where, where the humans mm. are sort of taken out from the front line. But then it, it, I suppose again, it, it, and it mentioned in the article about the ethical debate there, but also um, if we're going to go down this road, then surely the, the drone route seems, do you know what I mean? It's certainly in modern warfare, I, I can't help but feel that, you know, more more will be made of drones and you actually take as you say take the human out of it altogether you know the, the the human is still involved but not in the aircraft if you see what i mean i mean i i don't know none of us lived in that era but when you think about going from swords and and spears to firearms yeah that's a pretty big leap pretty where huge step, yeah. taking the into the intimacy of combat if that's a thing <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> if that's a word yeah absolutely you make it sound so quaint yes yeah. it's so, know, so right? charming yes it's, absolutely it's so academic when you're yeah, it you really know, is. yeah to the hilt on somebody um so uh yeah i don't know it's a natural evolution in in, in my opinion and i can't wait for the sequel to top gun where goose is replaced by r2d2 right okay yeah yes uh, that, that's, that's, that's the uh, secret yes. they're keeping from us and i dare say it'll be 20 years after the film was made before i then watch it on carlos's 3d tv so uh <laughs> there <we are. laughs> so there we are oh you're never going to live that down no man. i'm not no anyway no. we're going to move on to the last story now and yeah. uh, the headline in that is so this is on the uk dj website it's the uk defense force uh the uk defense journal org.uk and the headline it's says good news for airbus yeah indeed so kazakhstan 
places an order for Airbus C-295. So the border service of the Republic of Kazakhstan has signed a firm order for one C-295. Um, I'm sounding so American. C-295 uh, medium transport aircraft, says Airbus. Uh, through this new agreement, which includes training, spares and ground support equipment, the overall C-295 fleet operating in Kazakhstan will increase to nine aircraft. The new C-295 in transport configuration will play a vital role in border control activities and homeland security operations due to its demonstrated reliability and cost efficiency in operation at low temperatures. The C-295 is manufactured and assembled in the Airbus military facilities in San Paolo Airport in Seville, Spain. It is a development of the Spanish-Indonesian transport aircraft, the is it CASA or is it CASA? How does that? How's that? CASA. It's CASA. Yeah. yeah. So it's the CASA IPTN CN two three five, but with a stretch fuselage, fifty fifty percent more payload capability, and new Pratt and Windy Pratt and Windy Pratt and Windy <laughs> Pratt and Whitney uh, Canada PW. I do hope Max Flight's not listening. Turbo prop engines. The C two nine five made its maiden flight in ninety. I'm just going to gloss over and move on. Uh, it made its maiden flight in 1998 the first order came from the spanish air force with this new order the border service of kazakhstan becomes the 31st operator of the c295 and brings the total number of orders up to 13 aircraft in the cis yeah the the casa 295 is the I'm, i am going to say it like an american the casa 295 is <laughs> an evolution you're allowed you are american it's fine yeah <laughs> My, my dad flew uh, Casa 212s back in the day for Pranair. Um, I think they were one of the largest operators of, of that aircraft. But what's unique about the Casa 212, the 235, and the 295 is that it has a ramp and door in the back. Yep. So it's you, great for jumping out of, I'll just say that. Yeah. Have you jumped out of a Casa? I have. Yeah, really? They're, yeah. They're oh, great. Wow. Yeah. And for, for years, they've been used. Uh, both in the civilian sector and in the in military because of that ramp and door. And you can load passengers, you can load cargo, do humanitarian stuff with it. And uh, the Casa 295, if, if you really think about it, is just a, a mini C-130 or like a Transall or any one of those C-27, but it's affordable. You know, it, it's a, essentially a civilian airplane that has been adapted for military use. So countries like Kazakhstan that don't necessarily have the resources for something like a c-130 or an a400 um, this aircraft is incredibly capable with unproved aircraft or unimproved airstrip capabilities you know it's got jump capabilities you, you can do all kinds of things with the casa so wow great uh, and it'll only uh, hurt your bank balance by 28 million for one of these oh, you were mentioning shit. its cost effectiveness in, well, in certain <laughs> 28 million armando yeah, but that's the list price. Nobody pays the list no, price. No, true, true. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I was just looking at the figures, actually. There's been 163 of these built, uh, these C-295s. Wow. And uh, first flew, first flight was November 1997. Wow. Yeah, and I think the U.S. Coast Guard, I can't remember if they're flying CASA 235s or 295s, but, yeah, even, even the, the U.S. Coast Guard uses them, and, and they can airdrop. Um, survival bundles, you know, rafts and, and things like that out of the back in uh, terrible weather out, out at sea. 
And I tell you what, they they really do get a move on with those uh, Pratt and Gusty, uh, Windy. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, oh man, you're never going to live that. Well, I'm not, am I? That's fair enough. Yeah, it's all right. What with nipple bounds and Gusty, I, I just uh, <laughs> oh well, that's that's uh, that's week uh, this week's show title done. yeah pretty much yeah yeah pratt and windy <laughs> pratt and windy pratt engines and windy, yeah, yeah absolutely there we are that saves me a job for next week yeah excellent <laughs> absolutely, yeah. blimey huh. <laughs> so um that is where we bring the military segment of mm. the show to a close so those of you watching uh, in the world of youtube or listening in the world of uh Podcast. Podcasting, yeah. downloads. So pretty much paying attention to the show today. Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll know we have uh, obviously got, uh, well, sh- podcast royalty with us in the studio. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> I, I mean, Matt, I was just, that? I just like that you're both weirded out by yeah, absolutely. my presence. I know, I'm just really sure. I know, but the, no, we, it is real. It's I, real. And I know we've met you like like out of the 200. Like multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. Like in person multiple times. But I mean, a small part, you know, I mean, everybody knows obviously Nev came down here last week. You know, I mean, he had his, you know, his flu jabs and he had his various tetanus shots and goodness of all because he's coming to, you know, this rather rural part of the community it's just it's like you know i don't know quite how uh you know and armando you're no different i don't know how you americans ended up in this very tiny little part of our world but it's just uh, it's just very strange and, and i've said this before like when we did the two when we did the 200th uh, when, when we uh went to farnborough for the first time which is where we where we met you all for the very first time mm-hmm. and it's just weird because to hear the voices that you've had in your ears when you've been in my case like cleaning coaches or or going for walks or you know listening to it in the car while you're traveling somewhere else and you're so familiar with like you know dr steph's voice jeff's voice micah's voice um you know the legend that is brian blessing pasadena Mm -hmm. brian who i do miss terribly from from the airplane geeks actually Mm -hmm. it has to be said to hear all those voices and and i'm sort of sat there in farnborough and around me are those voices but then they're not in my earphones they're in real life and that's why we're, I think we're being a bit fangirly about it all to be fair aren't we Carlos because it's just very odd that in in the studio <laughs> here is this incredible person so hello yeah. hello. hello Steph yeah, thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely so, uh, so you're literally here for what well probably another about, uh, few uh, hours another five hours yeah. and then you're sort of like flowing, yeah. flying straight home I mean what uh why? I mean, it's lovely. Yes. <laughs> what on earth yes. are you doing here? I know. Well, let, let's let's just let it be said that um, you know a certain uh, captain for a uh, long haul airline that we all know and love is uh, retiring soon, and I was trying yes. my best to um, take a ride on one of his flights where oh. he was flying, and uh, just trying to work out my schedule with his schedule and <laughs> yeah. let it be a little bit of a surprise. I was going to tell him in advance, but not not much in advance, no, like no. the day of. Yeah. Um, uh, just hasn't worked out, and he hasn't been able to fly this month. I think people who listen to yeah. our show know that he's um, been a little unwell with yes. uh, his, his back. His and great, yes. And it was kind of a I'd, I'd moved it a couple of times <laughs> yeah. and yeah. finally i decided that you know what it's going to be fun just to come take the trip anyway so here i am here you are indeed which is just where as i say we, we we mentioned at the top of the show obviously that uh, uh what what did you think of duxford i mean oh duxford was wonderful that was a that was a great museum um tons and tons of aircraft on mm. display yeah. um you know how can you beat the concord display and yeah like I said before, just I think we got really lucky with the uh, the weather today. It was fun yeah. just being outside, even and and chatting with you guys, and um, just watching aircraft land, take off, yeah. 
you know. And that, that, like I said, that's a great thing about Duxford, isn't it? Of course, because it is mm-hmm. actually an active airfield. People can, it's a bit, you know, people can fly in there. And I think I think you can fly in and go around the museum. Is that right, Armando? I think you were saying to me when we were yep. chatting before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's correct. You can pay your landing fee and that'll get you into the museum also. Which is yeah, brilliant. I think that's nice, a really yeah. nice touch, absolutely. So you have a little bit of a bit of a wander around and that. And, it, but it, and of course, uh, what is nice, I think towards the end of the afternoon, actually, before we headed back here, uh, and um, they've got a two-seater Spitfire that mm-hmm. uh, you, can, you can have, like, experience... Uh, flights. I, I think they're short. To be fair, it's a lot of money for uh, like twenty minutes. I yeah, it's you, you need deep pockets if you yeah, want that experience absolutely. for twenty minutes. But I mean, what an experience! Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, there's also the there's also the tiger moth, which yes. now you can put on a leather helmet and a white scarf and go around for yeah. a little bit longer for a quarter of the price. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and it's just brilliant. I think I'd, uh, I've forgotten the name of the the company. They were saying it over the oh, over and over again. They were, yeah, absolutely. Was, uh, yeah. And yet none of us have managed to retain the name no. of the company that, that does. It, but anyway, they were uh, they were sort of very active. It's just it's just been a re- as I say, the weather makes such a difference. It's just uh, it's just been a lovely day. And so. company was fantastic as always. So. Yeah. My thanks to to you, Matt, for suggesting that as a as something to do for the day. Well, it just seems sort of sense, sensible, really. Just to sort of, it's you know, it's only an hour and a half from us. It was only yeah, an it was hour kind and of half on the way from, anyway from Heathrow and stuff. So it sort of worked quite well to to do that. And obviously, Armando, you've been many times. You took Steve and Ivy, didn't you, when um, when he was here? Um, it's just been okay. it's it's a great museum. Can't can't recommend it highly enough. So, uh, what time's the off? What time have you got to tomorrow? F- yeah. Uh, well, so the flight is at noon, more or less twelve twenty, okay. I think. Um, oddly enough, when the time changes, the flight, because, uh, <laughs> again, I had looked at doing this trip several weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I think once before that, the flight was at 12.30, but then when the time changes, they move it to 12.20, and I have no idea why. Oh, uh, right. Because <laughs> that makes all the difference in the world, all the I suppose. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's that five-hour difference between the two countries as yes. opposed to four-hour difference, so somehow that messes everything up. Okay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, not our department. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I think we figured I probably need to leave here seven seven thirty ish in yeah. the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it'll be an early departure. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So back home, Steph. Yes. Back home in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Any GA flying? Um, a little Jumping bit. Jumping out of parachute or not, of not a whole lot recently. I'm going to have to yeah. get recurrent again. It's not been a great winter for us in terms of. Um, sky related activities it's been very rainy and we seem to be in this pattern which seems to have finally broken of it being nice during the week and then the weekend rolls around when you have free time (laughs) and it's like rainy and horrible rainy and horrible low Mm. overcast nothing that you really want to get Mm. out and do anything in or can even if you want to Mm. um or i've been out of town on the weekends when it has happened to be nice so i was a little uncurrent with a couple of things skydiving and flying being um the two and i have been out flying again so um I'm back current for for landings for for flying and actually got checked out in the um the flight school i rent from has acquired some g1000 equipped 172s so i got to wow. check out in one of those um I like sorry the, I like for, the for, forgive my ignorance there what's a g1000 what, what's the difference between that and what carlos flies <laughs> uh you know those things that are round and have like Weird gaugey gauges. looking. Oh, things. you mean the steam gauges? Well, yeah. steam well, gauges. Yeah. Steph is talking about aircraft that have these the, sorts the flat of things panels in. And it, oh, it kind of yeah. combines everything all together. Right. And okay. it, yeah, very nice. Yeah. A lot of a okay. lot of data all in one screen. I was going to say about about two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, not not quite that much on the one seventy two. Yeah. I don't think, but um, at least not retrofit ones because I think these are all uh, they've gone in after the fact. 
Anyway, um, so yeah, I've been back out mm-hmm. flying and actually really hoping to get a chance to go flying with Armando here in the near future since yeah. we're practically neighbors. I mean, yeah. I, I'm here right now and you're there, but... Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Al's just quite rightly re- uh, asked me to remind you, of course, we are planning our own uh, meetups. So it's the, the PSP PT UK flying slash meetup uh, on the 12th of May. That's Saturday, the 12th of May. Stick it in your diaries if you haven't done so already. Um, I don't know. Is there anything on special... I don't think... Is it an activity... Uh, is, I don't think there's anything on special. No, there's nothing. But, no air shows. But we're just, we're, just yeah. Uh, we're, so it's just to say, it's Saturday, the twelfth of May. Uh, that's the PSP slash PTUK fly-in slash meetup. Uh, so please, if you can, uh, we would love, love, love to see you there. So if you could make it at all to Duxford, uh, please, please do. It would be great to see you there. It is, I'm afraid, Carlos. Time to start wrapping up. We are out of time. Was it Christmas time? No, no. It's oh. wrapping, wrapping presents. No, not that. Oh, for oh okay. Goodness sake. I mean, our two hours is up. That's what. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, God, I forget we're on a time scale here. Yes, yes. Yeah, we uh, we we're gonna uh, um, close the show up, but we are gonna t- head off uh, in a bit and take uh, Doctor Steph over to our favourite restaurant. Oh, it's uh, Sunday the twelfth. Sorry, I kept saying Saturday. <laughs> Lee just told me off. It says Sunday. Like, the Sunday. 12th. Sunday. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sunday, yes, yeah. And Al's just done it as well. Uh, you can't get staff, can you? Just tell you. This is why I'm never allowed information. Uh, so it's Sunday the 12th. Sunday the 12th. Sunday the 12th. The day is right, so it's Sunday the, the 12th, 12th of May. May. The PSP slash PTUK fly in slash meetup. So, yes, what we are uh, We're going to go and see uh, yeah. Stuart. Uh, I might Stuart even use O'Neil. the word pillock. Uh, anyway. And uh, <laughs> Indeed. Um, we're what we're going to do, we're going to basically go to Stuart's restaurant and have some food and beer. Oh, and oh, what okay. we're going to do is, cause obviously, because uh, Stuart is a, is obviously he flies the caravan, right. which people jump out of. Uh, and I'm sure you two are going to have lots of chat about it. Sure. Yeah, so we're going to do that and eat food and drink. Yes, absolutely. And it's be fun. Armando, I'm delighted that you're home, but sorry you're not here, here to join us. <laughs> Uh, as long as you get the uh, Chan special. Oh, the the house Steph, noodles. The house yeah. noodles. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Steph can come back to Charlotte with maybe a to-go container. You know what? <laughs> it would be relatively <laughs> fresh to be yeah, honest. Absolutely. I'm not gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got. F- I've actually got um, some like insulated lunch bags. Oh, you see. Oh, you will definitely see. need it'll those, never, Steph. I I dare you because it'll never make it through the flight. <laughs> Oh, right. Through the, through the flight? Yeah. No, you'll eat them. I think that's ah, what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a challenge yeah. now. That, I see. Yeah, that good. I see yeah, how yeah. it is. Absolutely. I think you're going to love as well the aviation-themed kind of corridor in yes. the restaurant. Because Stuart does have a, a rather large cabinet yes. filled with with just stuff. Ah. stuff filled with yeah. stuff yeah. which is quite Absolutely. cool yeah, yeah. very excited I've heard lots of great things yeah. so Excellent. his reputation yeah. definitely uh, gives me a lot to look forward to indeed so yeah. that is where we are going to start and wrap up episode number 262 of the show we're going to say a big thanks to everyone who has joined us in the YouTube chat mm-hmm. room this evening it's been great to see all you guys and girls in there and I uh, hope you're enjoying your weekend wherever you are in the globe. As always, thank you very much to everyone who downloads the show via their podcast provider. Uh, we are eternally grateful. The, the listening figures are great, actually. So uh, thank you. So, so proud of uh, where, where we are at the moment. So thank you very much to everyone who downloads the show. Uh, to get in touch with the show, we'd love to hear from you. It's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. It would be absolutely amazing. Uh, 
uh, to get some audio feedback from you. Uh, we love that. To take yourself to the website, it is www.plaintalkinguk.com. That is www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, and if you're looking for us on social media, that's where we post uh, when the next show is going to be live. If you'd love to join us, we'd love to see you in the live chat room. You can interact with the show. You can control. Uh, you can help sort of guide the show if you like uh, as we go uh, with stories as they come in uh, thank you to everyone who does that uh, we post those on social media our twitter handle is at plain talking uk it is uh, facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk and also on instagram it is plain talking uk dr steph if they live under a stone mm. and they've never heard of apg how on earth do they find you you know point to your browser over to airlinepilotguy.com you can find all of the information information regarding the airline pilot guy show there including our social media information yep. and um, where to find our podcast which is basically everywhere you can find podcasts basically so pick your <laughs> yeah. choose your weapon and uh, your we'll, path. we'll see yeah. you there absolutely uh, that's it guys it is time to wrap up the show uh anything nice planned this week armando uh, I'll be headed down to the Panhandle of Florida, the Panama City, Fort Walton Beach area, to get my multi-engine recurrency. Ooh, three ten. Yeah, it'll be a three ten. Three ten. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Other than flying home, Steph, what have you got uh, in your itinerary for next week? Um, hopefully, some flying next weekend. It's another free-ish weekend for me, and if the weather is good, I want to get out and uh, and do some of that. Very exciting, Carlos. You've got your new job, obviously. What are you up to in your new job this week? Well, we are. I am currently in the process of building the inside of a warehouse uh, to stack and store stuff properly, Ooh, and uh, it's nice because I, I I kind of have um, like staff now to to oh kind of talk to and everyone, stuff, and it was just uh, quite fun. Yeah, terrifying is. is but the I, I shall I be I shall yeah. be doing that and working for my awesome boss Stuart. Hello, Stuart, because I know you're probably watching the show, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. And uh, hello to you. And uh, I'll tell you what, honestly. It's, it's, it's awesome. I love my new job. Good, good. Well, that's, that's, that's great news. Uh, just two trips of note for me in my coach. I've got London. one. Uh, Tuesday, I'm off to Narch. Oh, okay. Yeah, Long Dawson. And then Wednesday, yes, I am indeed off to the big capital. Yay! Yes, I'm off to the big smoke. I'm off to London to take a group to the go and watch The Lion King. So, uh, yeah, in fact, we were saying that's that, that's uh, on the bucket list. Yeah. Got to go and see that. But uh, anyway, come on. It, we're, we're over time now. So, so that is time. where we're going to close up episode 262. Don't forget to look out for social media to see when we're on next week. I think we'll be back on a Friday again. Back to uh, you. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a look. Yep. So for me, Carlos here in the studio with Dr. Steph. It's a big goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, Dr. Steph, say goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, Armando, say goodbye. goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.